Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton. With me today is Andy. Hey, hey, hey. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. So we did our best anime of the year last episode, and now we're going <laughs> to struggle not to talk about some of those same anime as we talk about the end <laughs> of the um, fall anime season. Um, so just put a big asterisk that we're not going to be talking about free run because mm. we talked about it and we'll talk about it again when the winter yeah. anime season is over. <laughs> but otherwise let's go ahead and launch into what we watched, what we dropped, all that sort of stuff. There's one other big bruiser in the room uh, besides free run. And that's the apothecary diaries, which I wa I think everybody here watched. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everyone, mm -hmm. everyone everywhere watched it. And it's just yep. too good to pass up. It is, yep. yeah. Yeah, I mentioned briefly last episode that there are a lot of like court drama inside the Inner Palace shows popping up. We'll be talking about another after this, but this one I think is really the best. Has like sparkling characters, has a big cast, has like interesting little mysteries to solve. It's very much kind of in the Mushishi vein mm. in terms of like, uh-oh, this person has weird burdens on their arms. How did that happen? But it's all building towards like kind of a broader sense of politics. Um, also, it's really funny, mm -hmm. uh, which, is, <laughs> which is surprising as a, a show about an apothecary who poisons herself accidentally and intentionally a lot. I mean, but, it's never accidentally, yeah. frankly. Mau Mau is, <laughs> is a hilarious little gremlin. The most recent episode where she's like sad that they took away the poisonous seaweed and she's like, oh, I was excited to see how long it would take my body to detoxify <laughs> after I ate, <laughs> ate this stuff that put a guy in a coma. Yeah, I I really love this show. It's the kind of, we've talked about before, like a slam dunk show where just like, you don't wait. You just, you know, mm. you know that sometime on Saturday that show is going to come out. You're going to watch it. You're going to have a good time. You're going to have some nice little like hair turning into cat ears. That's like ubiquitous in that show. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> what are y'all thinking about it? How, I mean, yes, I've just heaped on praise, but surely someone <laughs> has another opinion besides awesome. I think there's, there's definitely a value in something which is, has a consistency of quality as much as this does. Like, a lot mm. of shows will have a lot of ups and downs to them. This this rarely has had a... No, it just hasn't had a bad episode. Every episode has been oh, good. I, I disagree with you there, man. Oh, no, what's the bad episode? What's the bad episode, Andy? The, the, oh, well, man. Secret Andy <laughs> heel turn. <laughs> the, the episode... Mostly the episode where he, she just like looks at a flower for two minutes and then recounts everything that's happened in the last 12 episodes. I was like, okay, cool. We're doing this, are we? Like, there are a few drops, but it's minimal. And the majority of it is is absolutely incredible. Um, I guess I just don't even notice that because like I just like <laughs> hanging with Mau Mau. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, same here. I love it. I think it's it's, and it's just so like unique. I feel. I know we had the mm. the Raven. What was that one? Raven of, Raven of the, Raven of the Palace. Palace. Yeah. <laughs> and and that just kind of felt like it had a, a more of a supernatural edge to it that I wasn't I wasn't particularly digging. And this one is, there is the one weird supernatural thing where she's just... Immune to poison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like a fucking mystical magic chicken running around solving everything. Like, uh, I really love its sort of slow pace. I really love how Mau Mau doesn't really ever concretely define things. She always just is like, I suppose, or I could view it like mm -hmm. this. So it's always left up to the air of um, sort of your own interpretations and... Like it's never concrete. 
And that then comes in later when she, I believe, is proven wrong about something. And she's like, uh, uh, the uh, suicide at the bridge. I think oh, yeah. she's like, oh, I was wrong the about that. The big arc of the first core. Yeah. yeah and, and it's just like small, small little things like that. I, I just love. I, I think you're 100% right about that. And I think the show show knows it as well, because mm. um, this is slightly going off topic onto the most recent episode. <laughs> but um, one of the things she acknowledges is there is like, OK, I don't have to do all the work here. I can yeah. as, long as, I, as long as I give the other people around me enough information, they can figure it out themselves. I can sort of leave it to them and, and it works with both the other characters and the audience she gives us just enough, enough information to go oh yeah so that goes to that goes to that yeah and it's also kind of a fun like anti Sherlock Holmes sort of thing where she does not want to be the center of attention her enti- you know the whole reason why she's been put in this situation in the first place is that some, she caught someone's eye and got kidnapped and sold into slavery and but I, she's, I love that she spent her, because, yeah. <laughs> because she can't help herself She's just yeah. got that inquisitive mind that is so perfectly like encapsulated in her character where she doesn't mm. want to be part. She doesn't want to get involved, but she can't help getting involved. Yeah, I, I think that the, the fact is when we first are introduced to her, she is really trying to keep her head down. She knows that if she shows any special skills, she will get enmeshed deeper in the palace like culture and she doesn't want that. Um, but that's playing against, yeah, her natural curiosity. There's that specific moment um, where she she kind of realizes that Jinshi is probably someone important, someone important, their bastard child, and mm. like that there's probably like a genealogical mystery. And it's so funny because she thinks about it for like six solid minutes, and then she's like, "Well, that's all speculation, and I'd get in real big trouble if I if I started talking <laughs> about it." So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best to forget that. Yeah, and just like yeah. It makes it it really adds to her like weird goblin gremlin persona that she is like this curious little meddler mm. who loves to get in trouble because it means she gets lots of delicious poison to eat. But at the same time, <laughs> like she's trying to keep her head down. And even now that she's in a more protected area as like Jinshi's concubine wife, technically, or something like that. Yeah, she's her, a, a, or, a well, she's still in yeah, training, servant. right? Tra- yeah. Training to be um, like. A lady in waiting. A lady yeah. in waiting. Um, and but she's like living in Jinshi's house and <laughs> serves him intimately. I really like how they sort of revealed her to be kind of an ADHD queen because the, <laughs> they sort of like, you know, she has this kind of genius because she, you know, becomes hyper fixated on, you know, a certain mystery and just keeps digging at it and, you, you know, applying her, you know, incredible mind to unlocking these mysteries. But then she's told, like, all you have to do is pass this test of boring stuff that you don't care about and you can have <laughs> a set for life career in the most powerful, like, halls of, you know, on earth. And she's like, yeah. I cannot be fucked with that. No, I do not want to do that. And she just fails that test miserably. You know, if, she, if you could apply, like, one-tenth of her focus that she applies to, like, a warehouse exploding in the middle yeah. of the night to that she could you know be on easy street but she just can't because that's that's her character she doesn't want to be involved yeah, she doesn't want to get and it's a good <laughs> and it's a good way to like transition now that she is more protected and it's not mm. that just she's a fucking nobody yeah. who is in the line of fire but there are still other complications like the fact that she isn't really suited for this life and it's only because she's so smart and so good at being like why'd this warehouse blow up um (laughs) why'd this guy get poisoned when he didn't eat anything poisonous uh why'd this person commit suicide like 
it's there's it's good at providing tension and i, I really praise mm-hmm. it for like mm-hmm. feeling there's some actual risk to her getting yeah. involved in these scenarios and therefore it's not just her being coy and being like oh i don't want to be the protagonist of this anime if i can avoid it she can't help herself it's great yeah 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 Love it. i mean just as you say like we're getting more and more into into the fact that someone can be intelligent and can make exactly the right guess and that could be the thing which gets them killed and <laughs> or gets them put into a coma or whatever because uh, people are dying all the time in this palace, it seems like. <laughs> Talking about um, just showing a different angle as well. Like, I love the history aspect. Like, I'm not a big history nerd. Yeah. I don't really know anything about the Chinese dynasty. And the it feels like the Forbidden Planet Palace... Planet? That's a fucking... <laughs> Forbidden Palace. <laughs> Forbidden Planet is a different thing. <laughs> um the Forbidden Palace is like, it, it was a real thing. And I find that in and of itself, like really interesting. She used to be in like the inner palace and now she got kicked out the inner palace. And now she is in the, sort of like the outer palaces bit. So you now just have mm-hmm. this separate, it's just really clever how it's like, well, we've explained this area. Now we're going to move her into this different area and explain how this area all works and how the politics will work around it. And I, I really like that. That stuff is really interesting to me. Yeah. The Ooh. other sh- show, obviously, we've recently talked about in terms of the, the sort of palace genre was Oku. And part of the transition between season one and season two of Apothecary Diaries is she moves from the inner palace, which is basically uh, women and eunuchs only, to this uh, outer palace, which is just sort of more the general population. So there's a, a big change mm-hmm. in what the storylines are, are dealing with. The first season was almost exclusively about her and the the consorts and here we've got got one episode where she basically teaches them dirty tricks from a brothel um and then we're (laughs) sort of moving on to wider and more general mysteries like part of the it the big trope it's playing with is the like all these as above so below so like all her experience from this uh, brothel where she works is seeing her in good stead for dealing with the machinations of this palace but what what we've got a sense of in very recent episodes is that maybe even the cleverest person from that background can work find themselves in a situation where someone can just go i'm more powerful than you it doesn't matter what (laughs) if you're smarter than me i'm just gonna do what i want and that keeps the tension of her being this this underdog and in particularly like i think part of jinchi's his attraction to her is the fact that he is as was talked about is uh the bastard son of uh one of the uh, old cons- consorts and so he has kind of both um power and no power he at any point he could be essentially revealed as a threat to the emperor and kicked out because he doesn't exist but he and yet he does within this like he's he's got a very precarious life of his own and i think he sees some of that in Mao that that just like at any moment the rug could be pulled from under him at, at, he, he could do the same to her and he feels feels like a great responsibility not to do that See, I, I view it very differently. I think that Jinshu just likes Mao Mao because she doesn't give him the satisfaction of the uh, faces that everybody else does. It's that classic, like... He's a Sundere lover. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right? He, just, he just loves that she doesn't like him. 
and she wants to <laughs> she wants to him she wants her to like him back so like he's just attracted to that um i think i think that's little think column that's... a little column b <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it it's textured so it's not all one thing or the other yeah yeah he's been yeah. she's basically also the only woman he has power over that she he actually also respects yeah like the other courtesans you know he he holds in high regard but everybody else is like you know just a bothersome sort of distraction and his his, his lady in waiting who is is basically his surrogate mom and and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> bosses him around which is it's, it's yeah. fun great. fun to see um, yeah yeah overall like excellent show um yeah <laughs> i don't think i don't think we have anything more to talk on this do you want to move on to the next the next show Speaking of good balances, um, speaking of palace dramas, uh, so Onmyoji dumped all at once back in November? I should be more prepared. I have a podcast. Yeah, November. End of um, November. End of November. I was really excited about it um, because I'm a, I think um, on, on Miodo is like really interesting. I think it's what turns Magical Shopping Arcade Abinabashi from like a goofy metafictional romp into like truly weird fiction where they come and just like here's Abe no Seme like existing outside of time in a very typical otaku's room existing in a reality bubble and so to actually have a show about Abe no Seme here called Abe Seme the whole transition of surnames in Japan we don't have to get into that um but yeah it's about this like really normal guy who just is repeatedly pushed into situations with the most proficient uh practice practitioner of anmyoji in the country and them gradually becoming friends and i wish i liked it better there are <laughs> there is stuff i really like and it's on it's we can see from oku raven of the inner palace the apothecary diaries there's a very distinct like chinese-ish or early Japanese palace drama structure that can be tapped into. And I think on, on Miyoji like really works towards that. But also, even though the plot itself is interesting, the fact is, I think that it's kind of hard to get over the personality of Abe no Seime, who is just kind of a raging asshole who doesn't <laughs> give a shit that no one respects him. He's like, I'm so powerful. I don't care if these old men like me or not, but all of his problems come from the fact that he's just too much of a maverick to ever be held back. And I don't encounter this often, but it does feel like an anime where I need to have like read about Abe no Seimi in a textbook and then see him as this like cool punk guy who doesn't follow the rules because I'm just like, why would you be friends with this guy? Um, like, sure. He solves problems, but half of them he creates himself. Um, and it's also got like a weirdly like stiff, flat animation. It just didn't click with me. And it's the sort of thing where like, if I hadn't watched Raven of the Inner Palace recently, if I wasn't concurrently watching The Apothecary Diaries, I probably would have loved this. But it just kind of felt like the third best show I'd watched that year of this vague structure. And the idea that like Abe no Sami needs to learn to like not be a dickbag to his friends as like his character arc. I was like, I guess, yeah, fair enough. I agree. That is something he needs to learn. But we made an anime of <laughs> <laughs> Jeff brought up in the Apothecary Diaries uh, chat the sort of looming shadow of Sherlock Holmes and mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's a fair few Sherlock Holmes, Holmes anime out there, so it's, it's definitely a trope which has, has um, penetrated uh, Japanese culture. And I wonder how that and the various folklore and mythology of, of Japan and its history intermesh together. Like, as you say, it was the historical depiction of, of this uh, person or this character based on this person as much of a... Uh, maverick uh i will solve everything myself of character as we now see him as or, or is that just something which comes from yeah that's what what, what maverick detectives are they're they're, they're they are the, that's that's what you have to conform to yeah yeah and it's not helped by the the fact that one of the like antagonists slash frenemies is just someone who's just like i'm really powerful too and i'm here to just make make abinosemi's life hard like i'm i'm the joker i'm i'm the onmyoji <laughs> joker and i'm gonna I'm gonna really fuck with his shit and like ruin his reputation why because i think it's funny i i feel like the pro the proliferation of jokerism in fiction is is under discussed <laughs> i want a character with real motivations not just like i want to watch it all burn like you're allowed one of those um <laughs> For a genre like yeah and just like of course like at the end of the show like they need to ask help from the from the joker and the joker's like well i like towing with him so much i can't watch his career get destroyed so i, I guess i gotta help out it's just like wasn't your whole point that you wanted his career to be destroyed i guess you have to be the <laughs> one to personally and it's just like i don't know i think in some ways it was a very formulaic show it was very much like item introduced in this episode becomes important in next episode uh character says says something about another character and then, is, and then is forced to revise their opinion in the next episode so it had a very like kind of plodding feel to it um that i think underrates like the weirdness because the magic system of on Miyoto is is depicted as pretty interesting that like when people really want something it creates an energy that you can twist into a curse and that's how every magic spell is is that like if something's happening we have to figure out whose desire created the opportunity for it to happen and whose magic is now twisting it into something. And that mm. makes for like pretty good, like set up and payoff mysteries, but it is just like, so just like, like watching a very competent comedian comedian, just chew through like jokes were like set up, mm. set up complication, payoff, set up complication, payoff. And, and the meta plot is, is good. But by the time you've reached it, you're so used to the rhythm of the show that it doesn't like land. There's never any moment where like, Mau Mau goes on this like weird tangent and has like a surprising revelation that then goes away for three, four, five episodes before coming back into relevancy. But maybe that's just because of the length of the show. Like the whole curse of the single core show is that you just can't set up that much. You have mm -hmm. to use all your episodes for plot. So yeah, mm, I, I liked it. I gave it, I mean, I gave it like an eight out of 10. Like I didn't mm. dislike it, but it definitely suffered from being the least creative, the least unique of the ones of these I've watched so far, which is wild because like most of the people listening to this podcast probably don't, don't know what an Onmyoji is. It's a weird <laughs> like <laughs> remnant <laughs> belief system. Well, I don't know. Maybe I, feel I have two friends yeah. who aren't big anime fans, so just, I don't know. Just watch the Monogatari series and it'll catch you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and that's the thing is we, we, we've seen so much post Onmyoji stuff like mm -hmm. weird remixes like in monogatari like in magical shopping arcade that to like have it kind of played straight was i don't know talking about something else that i feel had mixed opinions from everybody else 16-bit sensation another layer oh no uh i feel that we all have <laughs> different opinions but i feel that 
my opinion is going to be different from everybody else's because I really hated the first episode. The first episode uh, started with the main character, uh, Konoha, um, being like, oh, I'm back in time in the 1990s. What the hell is going on? And then it proceeded for the next 20 minutes to absolutely take the piss by showing me how she got back in time. And I was like, mate, I don't fucking care. Like, I already know you're back in time. Like, that really wound me up. And then... Okay, we do agree on that that <laughs> respect. <laughs> and then it... I did not need to understand the time travel, and that's my problem with the show. Yeah, and, and then it sort of got, does a very lovingly recreated um, show about a person making doujin games back in the 90s where it was not so easy to make doujin games. And clearly there's been a lot of love, a lot of time for people like nerding out about that specific era and of of video (laughs) games, of the shoujo games. And I I kind of enjoyed that. But then it goes off the rails because it goes back in time and she jumps to the future. And that's when I fucking loved it. I loved it when it went dumb as shit. <laughs> like she, she goes back into the future and then it turns out because she made one game, she's like changed the whole course of history. And just like... And it's the Americans. <laughs> yeah, it got it got Americans interested in Bishojo games, which destroyed yeah. history. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. That bit to me made me laugh. So when it went to, what was it? Uh... Fate of War? <laughs> no, uh, Fate, uh, Gears of War or something like that. I was like, yeah, that's yeah, an American. G- yeah. And it was like, it was all QQ and like changed all the like the meta on, on what currently is like Kawaii and Bishojo. Like, man, that was some dumb fun shit that I was there for. And I knew it was going to go there. I, I knew it was going to go there straight from the off because like episode three or four, she's like, no, I want to make a game about like, aliens and time travel and, and like secret organizations and i'm like that's gonna happen in this show i guarantee it so see so that's actually that's actually more astute than i am because uh, you're right i guess it is a meta thing it's kind of like a it, oh my god i'm gonna hate myself for this is is 16-bit sensation the adaptation of anime adaptation as in starring Nicolas Cage where it's about writing a shitty movie script that goes off the rails and then the, the, the movie script goes uh maybe i I hated that it was aliens. I hated that aliens <laughs> wanted to learn about creativity and they came to Earth to make Bishojo games. I fucking hate that. Yeah. I uh it I would have been open for it to be aliens if it had been if it had just gotten rid of the fantasy of making video games in the 90s completely and it's all about like ripples in time and it hadn't been 75% what if I got on the ground floor of my favorite thing before it was big mm-hmm. and then turns into Bishojo Christmas car- Carol in the last <laughs> quarter it just it wastes its time doing both the historical fantasy yeah the nostalgia shit and then switching to like what is fun fun is Bishojo game but <laughs> the important thing is not to have too much fun or the Americans will come and destroy well, your subculture. Well, you can't. You, so you I just, have I just want the history lesson. I just wanted the history <laughs> lesson or the whacked out alien stuff. I didn't want a, uh, a history lesson interrupted <laughs> by aliens two thirds of the way through. I love that it was. The, I love that the aliens came in. Genuinely, that's when I was like, okay, this is interesting because I thought this because I liked I, that episode. I, I genuinely <laughs> felt that like there's not enough in this show to continue for twelve episodes. I was like. What is she going to fucking do? Like, we like video, like, hey, making games is hard. And when you're back in the olden times, oh, she doesn't know how to draw using uh, a, mouse, a mouse. And she knows how to <laughs> yeah. use shaders and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, this is fun, but it's not like, like the best. 
Like the the voice that Connor's voice actor is constantly irritating. My favorite. Oh, yeah. My favorite. My girlfriend's least voice this season, least favorite voice this season was Konoha by far. Absolutely insufferable, and like <laughs> <laughs> to the point to the point where I was watching. I forgot my headphones in the gym, and I watched an episode, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually pleasant when I can't hear it." Um, <laughs> like, uh, and she... poor poor Aoi Koga. <laughs> she's. No. She's she's really she has other stuff she's, she's been good those. at. She's done stuff. She doesn't need Oh she's Ka- she's Kaguya in uh, Yeah she's... Love is Kaguya Sama Love is War. Exactly. She's got a great range. Okay, so she's fine then. She's I don't fine. Need to she's doing all right. She has no reason to do this mid show, but like yeah, I, I And don't she's know. Comey too. God, I forgot. She's better at playing quiet characters, I guess is what we've learned. Oh my god. <laughs> um but is that is that on her? Is that in the direction that she was given? Yeah, and the voice, fair, the fair. voice that. The, but um, yeah, I just, I just was not like <laughs> enjoying any of her interactions until yeah, like she the the fucking like aliens came up and it got really dumb and then I was like, okay, this is this is actually an amusing ending. Um, and the weird thing is, the weird thing ending? is, well, the ending is weird because it starts with I thought the ending was like <laughs> and i watched it today so it's really fresh because i watched it for this show and it's like wow he's like goes to the donut shop because apparently that's where all the donut like that's where you just go back in time now even though it demonstrably isn't because the dog opened one of the fucking sh- like games and she went back in time then and then like and then it just cuts to the future it feels like there's this whole middle bit that's just been completely forgotten about maybe because they were like you don't need to know you know that she's made a game and given it to the past but apparently there's a 14th episode that is coming out soon um which will explain presumably that weird time gap as it just jumps back to the future again um so yeah like it was an odd show interesting origins though it came from a doujin that was written a couple of years ago uh had like two doujins sold at comic a I and mean, then that was enough for this show to to be made. I'll be interested to mm. read the original Dojins. It's sort of semi autobiographical. Like the the mm. two original authors worked for uh, the company which Alcohol Soft is based on. Um, and you know which company uh, that was. I do have. I had. I see. I had the notes for when we did the beginning of the season. I've lost them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I I enjoyed the beginning. I I liked. I like the the Bishojo notes, sort of like uh, the little references to other video games companies. The fact that all of the big Japanese companies has gone to America apart from Alice Soft made me laugh real hard. Um, which is, if you don't know, the the game that the company that made the really problematic porn games, um, and then and then like and then also recently went under this year, I think, or last year. Um, mm. So yeah, like there was like little jokes here and there that I enjoyed as a nerd, but overall, it wasn't wasn't for me. Um, and every time they talked about, every time they talked about how much fun a Bishojo game is, especially at the end, I just cut to that meme of like a man sitting there reading a book, going, "Oh wow, <laughs> this new Bishojo game is off the charts." <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, because I, I watched the first episode, I kind of dropped off. I'm now very curious what the inspiration to make this in the first place was. If it's like, 
like a reaction to or like a like a gatekeepery kind of like reaction to like Americans having interest in like Tokimeki Memorial or something in the last few years because of that no, YouTube vi- I, video. I, nah. I feel I feel it's purely like people wanting to nerd out about that old retro shit. No. So the thing I think you're missing, Jeff, is that um, there's also a big thing about how AI is going to take over game production. It's going to make a bunch of bunch of really boring games. And I think the intersection between like small teams um, with limited tools making games and the inevitable like distance from the creative process that happens with huge teams, where I think the aliens actually serve as kind of like a a like metaphorical endpoint where these people who literally cannot understand creativity or fun mm. are making are making games and they're like, what are we missing? I guess it's a really shrill girl from 2023 is what we're missing <laughs> to make games fun. Um, so yeah, I think that's honestly, I think it's it's what it's trying to do is it's trying to deal with what what their favorite industry looks like if it got like American money, AI. And an assembly line process. I think that's what it's honestly reaching for, and that's okay. It, it, expl- it explains the split focus, even though it still annoys the fuck out of me that they—that's how they chose <laughs> to go with it. But I do think it is trying to talk about like about like how would our industry look different if it was successful, which is a an interesting question to always make. But I, and to use alien to use aliens to 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 like speed up the timeline, aliens and time travel to like what, what, ask that question. I feel that it, it is successful. It's just like not in like it's never going to well, be successful and then there's like, success they're, yeah, yeah they're successful and then there's successful there's yeah. gears of war and then there's uh i don't know i can't even think of a show show game my uh, brain's wiped <laughs> neko power what's the name of the early gainax uh film about uh sort of garage kits which which is sort of like uh uh, Otaku no video? Yes. Um, I feel like it, it mm. comes from a, a, a sort of similar lineage, lineage to that because that was a, also a, a very autobiographical look at like a company which got too big too fast and and sort of them looking back at, mm. at how how Gainax had become like this big company from nothing intercut with all these like weird video oh, oh, voice changed clips of various staff members and this had a very similar vibe to me which is why i i sort of encouraged you and, and then andy to watch it because like the first couple of episodes were far more grounded than it ended up and and i i got, <laughs> I got the i i found it like it like it hit some of the, the same things that something like Shobako would for me just like the seeing how something is done there's there's a yeah, there's I, a pleasure in like this is this we didn't back when we didn't have mouses this is how we did things but that stuff yeah, to me yeah. i i feel is so uninteresting like i like i know how that shit was done back then like i don't, I don't did you ever do it did, did you did you ever make did you ever draw no. stuff in them in uh it's like in um, this paint yeah because no, i i'm a talentless Corel. hack Corel like, draw. <laughs> yeah but uh, was, like like yeah Corel draw and uh do do, do do deluxe paint deluxe paint on the amiga <laughs> that, that's 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 my one and like for me like that was that was big nostalgia vibes like seeing someone with a mouse just going click pixel click pixel Okay, dithering, oh, dithering, people. Yeah. Got some dithering here. Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think, I think honestly, this couldn't have been Shirabako because the characters are not interesting enough. Yeah, like even the guy who's crazy about the PC ninety eight, like, yeah. It's, Andy, you complained about him endlessly. Like, guy, like, dude, move on. It's just a PC. It, it, and- <laughs> it winds me up because there's a developer 
as in my personal life, like the whole point of being a developer is that you move on and you grow with the emerging tech. <laughs> if you're, if you didn't hands, do that. If you stick, no, he didn't, and that was fine because that was a dumb joke. But it, yeah, it, it really that really wound me yeah. up. I hated that guy. I hated most people. But he had the actually. he had the most personality. Like like all the all the fellow. So the interesting characters were the guy Mamoru. who wore a wrestling mask the entire time, <laughs> oh, and the, yeah, who was the Christ. the writer. Right that guy right. is awesome. And like if we had more people who were characters like that, because like the two artists. Like, mm. they, like, grew up as the time skips hap- kept happening. But, like, I never really knew what, like, girl who looks like Ono from, from Genshiken and girl who looks like every character in an anime. Coward like, what were their personalities? Or... Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I mean, the weird uh, thing is that probably the author inserts. <laughs> probably, uh, which is why they can't have I a don't know. I think I it'll guess. be Konoha. I think that'll be Konoha, the author insert. For what it's worth, I, I did a quick Google. It's Aqua Plus, who, which is the studio that it was referencing. Uh... Who Ooh. you would probably know from Tahatu and uh, Utaware Umono, uh, Ware Umono, yeah, which is another. They're pretty big. Anyway, continue. I, yeah, I hated yeah. those guys. I hated most people. Um, I really hated. <laughs> I really hated that there was um, that Toya, like the girl who was also into Bishojo games, and she was like, "Oh, we'll yeah. make games together someday." Yeah, and then like there was. I'm just. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, like, if I see someone like once every eight years, I I could not maintain <laughs> that level of warmth. I don't like that's not no, even but... just a criticism of the character; it's a criticism of me. But like, <laughs> if I saw someone, I'm like, I, I would be like, "What the fuck, dude? It's been eight years. Where were you?" And also, like, how I talked to all I talked to all your coworkers, and they said you vanished in the thin air. That that's <laughs> such like an anime thing, though. Like, like it's this weird <laughs> anime thing where they just think true friendship means you just bug them persistently until they give in. It's like, fuck, man. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I do agree with the other people, at least. Like, she made a game with them, which took at least six months, I believe. So therefore, <laughs> I'm like, I understand why you would have a relationship and a friendship with them that you'd want to keep. Um, yeah. Like, I, yeah, but... I, I, so yeah, I, I, do, I do think that... that it what holds it back from being like a shirabako like vertical mm. slice of how mm. it was to create bishojo games is just that the characters aren't really that interesting it's largely a power fantasy yeah. of going back to old times and not having to worry about success because you know that bishojo games are going to take off eventually um i think that i think that introducing weird time travel rules and aliens as allegories was the wrong way to flesh out this story but um I do think this is going to become one of those shows where, like, three years from now, I'm going to min- I'm going to like reference on this podcast that it's aliens and time travel, and everyone's <laughs> going to laugh and think of think of the Bishojo game Shirobako that turned out to like <laughs> that had her fucking like talking with the architect of reality at the end of it to be like, I think people should have fun playing games and like, oh, oh, well, we can't, we don't have fun on our planet. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have fun in our anime hellhole of isekais. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hate it, but man, what a weird show! What a what a weird bait and switch from Duncan, who rarely, rarely does this to me. I yeah. I enjoyed it all the way through. I well, I enjoyed it when it Fair got enough. mental. Well, you were warned by me being like, I can't, like I think I put in the chat, like I can't believe it's aliens. You're like, oh, really, man? Aliens, awesome! I love it. <laughs> well, I like it because it does something fucking mental in the like in the 11th hour where they're like we gotta have an ending to this show it's just like aliens baby let's go yeah it's just i'm like... gonna dr- i'm gonna drop in a jenny nicholson <laughs> clip when we, when we make this <laughs> there's a specific clip from her land before time video i'm gonna drop in right here 
normally I'd give bonus points for the sheer audacity and weirdness of adding aliens. But when you squander your aliens, you lose points. So it's just yet another reason this is low on the list. <laughs> anyway, talk about... Talk about aliens. <laughs> um, the last episode that, we, uh, that we're missing. Talking about episodes that we're missing, though, is on 100. Uh, had mm. had uh, three episodes that dropped over Christmas on Christmas Day, and we talked a bit about Zom 100. I had a a weird problem with zombies constantly driving trucks that exploded in like the first four episodes, <laughs> and it's like it's been months now. How are there still zombies driving trucks? What the fuck? Uh, and they've just been behind the truck wheels <laughs> the whole time. Is the is the well, idea they, here? They then go to like a trucking yard <laughs> for another arc. Where he like overcomes uh, the main guy overcomes his. He learns to talk back to his boss, basically. Yeah, he learns to fight oh, back okay. to the boss that that wronged him and gave him like all these uh, complexes and uh, what's the paranoia? Not the paranoia. What the fuck am I thinking of? Like anxiety of <laughs> work, which was very cathartic and one that I actually uh, connected to quite strongly. Um, but then Akira goes to goes to Gunma is great because fucking love gunma gunma in any anime is a is a is a fucking place to be uh and it then just sort of ends and now we had the final three episodes which is about a another set of um people who also have the canter who also has his own book of like stuff he wants to do before he turns into a zombie but he just wants to watch the world burn and it's sort of yeah, like it's, it's as Ben said, too many jokeified people. Yeah, and it's I I don't know, like twenty twenty the twenty twenties de- decade of the Joker, I guess. Um, I I didn't particularly like him as a character, and I, it's just because it's one of those things where it's like I just don't believe that you're in this. I like you're finally if you've come from Tokyo where the zombie outbreak happened, and you've been through all this horrendous shit to get to this peaceful idyllic town where they've worked it out they've they've created a blockade system they've created a, a a functioning society where you can we can relax and like try to rebuild something i just don't believe that a person people will be that naturally evil um it just didn't it just didn't hit for me uh but i did find that it ended very well i i enjoyed that i liked that there was a parallel between him and uh can Akira and uh Kanter. I and I liked that it ended the very nice animation scenes, very nice battle scenes. It it was it looked really pretty. Um and I'm glad that it and it was ultimately a good show. It's just weird that there were like there was just a missing couple of months where it didn't happen. Yeah. Um but I'm happy that it had a couple of months as opposed to a rush production or a show about people being in a black company turning into a black company to get this shit out um looking at you mapper yeah (laughs) the 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 episodes those last few episodes dropped on boxing day i think and just because i uh, because christmas was so busy i just still haven't got around to them and it's it's good to hear from you that it does does finish competently and and doesn't completely face plant the landing after having no. to stop um no, i will so... say say andy that i think you don't have to look very far in, in the real world to see people who are quite willing to let everything go to shit just to prove their own personal point uh it's like my grievances there's a difference i feel between a political ideology and a personal 
interpersonal relationships. Like I think of people talking about this war of mine and going like in those situations where there was war and refugees, like people didn't backstab because they were in it themselves. Like everybody crowded together and they were a familial unit. It just made me think of those sort of anecdotes where it's like people won't go out for their own the sake of their own will, let alone a, a stupid book that they wrote just to prove mm. that's like a bucket list thing. I don't know. I, it, it, there's a difference between not seeing the people who you're affecting and literally looking at the person, people who are running away, turning into zombies and you're, you're single-handedly killed dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel there's a difference. <laughs> let's go somewhere a bit, a bit happier, a bit more let's go let's go let's once again return to the realms of nostalgia and uh, talk about something which also uh, uh, appeared it from the past and that scott pilgrim's take takes off which was speaking of, be- oh, yeah. speaking of being jokerified <laughs> <laughs> so um so i love the scott pilgrim comics um it as as might be expected from someone who's very used to being a big fan of anime and disliking most anime fans, like <laughs> God forbid I ever interact with another another person who truly loves Evangelion, like that makes me uncomfortable. I get away from them at parties. It's like what Jeff and I were talking about. Like I love Monogatari series. I would never want to talk to another human being who loves Monogatari series about why yeah. they like it. Apart from, uh, apart from the the series of podcast episodes you happen to record about yes. loving Monogatari, well, well we're yeah. the only two people who like it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got it. We got it in one. Um, so I love Scott Pilgrim because I think it's a great example of how someone can think that they're a good person who's treating women right in their early twenties and can be the worst boyfriend a woman ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's explicitly the thesis. Not maybe not maybe not explicitly like as in Scott Pilgrim turns towards the camera, turns towards the reader, and is like, "I was a bad boyfriend." Mm-hmm. Um, but if you needed that, we now have an anime. <laughs> <laughs> An anime made by Science Saru, where over eight episodes, it's excruciatingly, excruciatingly demonstrated to us that Brian Lee O'Malley understands that uh, Scott Pilgrim is a good person, and in fact, you should not see him as aspirational. I I liked this, besides the weird depth of field effect that literally gave me a migraine <laughs> one time, as in yeah. I like had like a had like a cool rag over my eyes to try to like get rid of the auras from this bizarre doubling that they did to make like oh, yeah. things look out of focus in the back did not like zero out of 10 for that. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I, I, the power of Scott Pilgrim is that in the original comic, he goes through and he fights all of his current girlfriend's exes. And it's a way of turning the emotional baggage that, uh, could potentially destroy a new relationship into a shonen battler. And I think that's great. And it, it's kind of weird to have Scott Pilgrim's girl's side where Scott Pilgrim disappears. And instead, Ramona, who's gone on one and a half dates with a guy, works through all the people who would hate him and want him to not exist as the same metaphor, but one in which that one that can foreground Scott's faults rather than Scott's obliviousness being part of his characterization. So I liked it. Uh, I don't think I'm the target audience because having the text make explicit that Scott Pilgrim is a bad person and only remembers the good parts and thinks he's a victim for even his own mistakes. Not really for me. Um, 
I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed the like lackluster vocal performances from the movie. Oh <coughs> uh, yeah, movie that cast. was that was yeah. so yeah. Allison Pill turned in a great performance. Yep. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead should stick to live action, and I don't really have a lot of an opinion about anyone <laughs> yeah. else. I don't know why Will Forte showed up to do BoJack Horseman again, but I guess like my I, girlfriend would like it if she got to watch Culkin it. Culkin was I don't good. Culkin, I thought. Yeah, Culkin's fine. Yeah. I, I feel that I feel that you should have like listening to it in Japanese. It fills the gaps a lot better. I think then that's I, maybe I, I would love problem. to. They they have a. Uh, Kana Hanazawa as Envy and uh, Tomokazu Seki as as Gideon, like they have a it's a, a stacked cast in Japanese. Mm. Um, but I, the whole big thing mm. was they got the whole movie cast back. They got every single mm. person yeah. back from a movie yeah. made like over a decade ago. That's mm. pretty cool, and I hope that that energy informed it, and I think it kind of did. Um, but at the same time, it's it's literally just like I don't know. I I, I wanted more out of it, and I didn't really need to yeah. like be told that like characters can be flawed and that doesn't mean that they're aspirational if they happen to be a flawed protagonist i don't know so have 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 any of you guys uh read uh brian o'malley's well, not literal follow-up but his, the, his work which yeah seconds mm-hmm. i no. love seconds yeah no, yeah I don't. And, and no so so but ben you all you know, then know then that, that that that's a novel explicitly about going back and uh, revisiting uh things mm. you did in your past and, and redoing them in a different way and so seeing him uh him now and come and actually do that with scott pilgrim just was like well if you, if you, if there's one person who's explored this idea and and, and its consequences well you certainly have have earned that at Brian O'Malley, and and the fact that it also had a, a copious e, uh, Eva uh, rebuild references within it <laughs> yes. also made me very Indeed happy. Indeed, it did. Yeah, it's it's definitely and and I appreciate like if there's one favorite topic that I have in fiction, it's about like regret as a catalyst. Regret can make you a better person. It can make you a worse person. It can freeze you in place. It can do things to you that you never thought possible, even though you think that you're staying still because the world's always moving. And so even the illusion of staying still is moving in a different direction. So I loved that. And I I do think that that Brian Lee O'Malley is great for that. I just, I don't know. I I personally would have just preferred a a 10-year time skip to show to show Scott and Ramona in their thirties at the end of this relationship and kind of show through, not through, but, but that's the whole point of Scott Pilgrim is that you, you, you impose these, these schemas of video games and of leveling up and of like beating people. And so they can't really, I can understand why he didn't approach it from that direction. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it it just wasn't for me. It's it's for Tumblr <clears throat> kids who don't understand that we're not supposed to like Scott. Yeah, uh, that make that makes me sound like a huge asshole. But I, y- y'all listen to this podcast, you know who I am. <laughs> I I well, I mean, I'm just gonna. I watched. I think I've watched like three or four episodes, and I kind of just bounced off because it felt like poorly written fan fiction, um, but with a budget. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I might go back to it if you if you'll convince me otherwise. But eh. do you like Scott Pilgrim the original comic? It was fine. I I had no, okay, no. I have no, no strong the, opinion no. of Mids loves it. Wait 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 wait. Did you not like it because you think the comic expects you to find Scott as a good person? No. Because I, if so, then yes, you should watch it. I I didn't like it because everyone was like, Andy, you love video games. You should read this. And oh. I read it, and then oh. I was like, no. the classic wow. poison. Wow. They've, 
They've got they've got a Boba bomb in it. Cool. Yes. I I'm probably the person who I enjoy this primarily for all of the lowbrow references and nostalgia. I like the fact that it was a period piece that took place in Toronto mm-hmm. and they you know they jump forward, you know, oh, I... 20 years and it's like a blasted hellscape and but you know it's also <laughs> that's that's present day and it's like yeah yeah that's that that's that is about right. I like <laughs> that's, that. That's you the know, city I love. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I enjoyed the uh like the extended Tony Hawk uh, reference or with the uh, the police truck running for the whole like skateboard sequence. I am continuously baffled how in the early 2000s for some fucking reason River City Ransom became very on vogue to be nostalgic about and like the whole all of Scott's like backstory and the weird like turning into money when you die thing like that was all like a weird reference to this one like 1980s video game that was very normal to make at that very specific time, which feels completely out of place now, and nobody ever really addresses it. And yeah. like at the time, I enjoyed it as like you know, it's kind of a goofy video game webcomic in a you know in a Takabon format. I enjoy, I really enjoyed the movie because I just I like Edgar Wright movies in general, and I thought this was just like oh, this is like another third thing of like an enjoyable sort of like you know junk food mm-hmm. thing that it goes a little harder and like sort of tabs directly into my own sort of like cultural understanding and like, you know, slight weird Canadianisms that the show will pick up on that. And so like, I think as a very like, you know, middle brow surface level view, it's pretty good, but I will agree that the depth of field effects are atrocious and I cannot believe that it survived a single test screening, let alone eight episodes. It is mind boggling that they let that go out the way it is. I I, kind of get something like that with my, with particularly the way my eyes are without glasses. And so I was wearing my glasses and I was seeing that. I was like, what's going on here? I've got my glasses on. Why, why, why are we we getting this weird doubling? Like that that, that goes away when I put the the glasses on. What's, what's, but I I think I'm generally closer to Jeff than I am perhaps that's Ben and Andy here. Like I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think like, it was once again a show which reminded me that there's you can just go in with bright primary colors and do something which has a palette outside what we often see in in anime now at that at times maybe um something which has kind of become a, a, a ubiquitous within sort of Tumblr uh, uh, and all that sort of kids spaces. Like there is a, there is a certain sort of palette, which is kind of associated with things like Synthwave, et cetera, which I think mm-hmm. this was tapping into to an extent, but it's still just good to see, see something which looks different, but was still animated with care. And uh, uh, I think genuine joy by science Saru and uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed, I know it's just like, I, I think you were talking about uh, Utena in um, a different Slack the other day, Ben. And I really enjoyed every, at the start of, e- of every episode, Ramona washing her hair in a, in a, di- a different color as, as the yeah. sort yeah. of setup for it. So like that, just like recurring motif. Okay. This is okay. We're set up. We're ready to go. Here we go again. And I, I just, yeah, it, I, I don't know. Like, as, as Jeff said, like, 
it was kind of nice just to be reminded of certain things and to sort of reflect back on some of the tropes of that decade like as as, like the the whole skater episode in particular was as, as jeff was saying was very enjoyable just like uh, how that, how how the the character was is, is, is precisely this encapsulation of of how that was a subculture which went extremely mainstream, like <laughs> the the most mainstream of of subcultures, where if someone wanted to rebel, um, conspicuously, they became a they they adorned the skater gear and it, it they, yeah. they weren't didn't necessarily skate but they were a skater and, and, it felt yeah, having, and having it set to a dead kennedy song is like <laughs> like if you if you told somebody that in like 1995 like this is going to be front and center on a like like the, you know one of the biggest action stars of the last 10 years is going to play a character who is a you know an arrogant hollywood guy and it's going to be have like police truck running over it, and people are going to be like, "No, it isn't," because Jello Biafra would kill himself before that happens. <laughs> and apparently, that was not the case. <laughs> and, I mean, let's let's move on from a, a one girlfriend point of view to a, a multiple girlfriend point of view. In fact, a, a <laughs> yeah, hundred girlfriends. girlfriends. Man, this show was one of my favorites. Probably, uh, I, I don't. I strongly disagree with Jeff's uh, opinion of, of that show um, in the one in the year roundup. The unfairly <laughs> when it comes to polygamy, the more the better. Is is Andy's opinion here? <laughs> it's not even that. It, it's it's how good the characters are. I really didn't enjoy anybody in hundred in girlfriend girlfriend, and I have watched a few episodes. I, I found it um, awful, but uh, I really love. Pretty much all the girls in A uh, Hundred Girlfriends. I think it's not only is it it's a show that manages to have its cake and eat it in that it it can be extremely horny, it can be extremely like harmony, kind of gross out work in that aspect. But then just by the fact that just by the way the nature of the show and the the setup of the show, it somehow just works and it just makes it really really funny. Uh, especially when it comes to like the the fourth girlfriend or in the manga, you're like your sixth, seventh girlfriend who they come in and they're just like, oh, so this is just a thing now. And they just become like Rentero's family. And that's really sweet. And and also like, I don't know that the episode with Shizuka where he like writes, makes the diet, like his, that book all on this, her phone. Yeah. Like, that Digitizes it. So she's got text to speech. <laughs> yeah. That genuinely hit me in the feels. Like, I thought that was so sweet. And it really, it, like it made me and mids both cry. Um, which, again, isn't hard in <laughs> nowadays, but <laughs> like, but like, yeah, that, that was a really good, like sweet moment that just made me really attach myself to the show. And, Realize that this show can do comedy, but can also do really emotional scenes. I feel that there was one Duff episode in a series of 12, and that was the zombie, the biohazard slash Resident yeah. Evil episode, because it just, the jokes lingered too long. Yeah. They, they were too long. Choo choo, like death episode, like death scenes that I, I read the manga afterwards, and yeah, but it's two volumes, two chapters. So if you're going by. The, mm. the general setup of the show of like two chapters an episode, which is the safe like way of adapt adapting stuff. Like mm. I thought that that would be fine. It just it just was not enough comedy there for it to 
warrant two episodes. But the uh, I, I enjoyed all the performances. I loved the jokes. The jokes were always really funny. It was a really sweet emotional moments and how a lot of the a lot of the the end people like a lot how a lot of the stuff ends up as well is funny like the the big climax with Hahari who is uh Hakari's mum like falling in love with him in the final moment because her, his eyes are clear and she sees them and and then they like become another boyfriend girlfriend situation it it's fucking genius and it was really it really is funny it's a great show Mm. Uh, I, I really respect its commitment to making every girl the best girl like yeah, it, yeah. It, it just it truly does does love 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 every girlfriend and mm-hmm. like treats them as a character who should be completely doted on by a ventor and like he it's uh, i think we commented when we first started watching it like he, he's just like Normally, he in this sort of thing, he'd be uh, a useless potato. But here, yeah, he's like the best no, he's potato. Not. He's yeah. the greatest potato ever created. I, he's, he's just not. He's, a pota- <laughs> he's not a potato. He's just a, his own character. And his name own, his a, name character. a characteristic he has apart from loving his girlfriends. Because that's I'm it. As much, which consists in him, apart from the fact that he he loves everything about them in every possible way. Yeah, and. It's yeah, great. it's just lovely and and sweet, as you say, Andy. And and every everyone gets an episode to shine. And it, it's weird for a show which would where so thoroughly the only thing the girls talk about to each other is him, and would, <laughs> <laughs> that they are actually really supportive of each other within mm-hmm. that context. Like there's no there's no rivalry between them. There's no. no fighting over him and that that's really nice to see in a, in a harem show like it's it's not um the oh i'm i'm gonna be his his one girlfriend no we're a family everyone's part of this and uh yeah it's it it was just astonishingly good in hitting every single joke it wants to like i don't think there was an ever a time where it wanted me to laugh and i didn't laugh and that's a very mm-hmm. rare thing in in comedies and mm-hmm. I think it's it just in in common with Scott Pilgrim. It it had a, a it was it was kind of a cotton candy show. It was like very bright colors and a lot of energy to it. Um, I, I it's it wasn't a particularly like amazingly animated one, but you've got oh no, I I disagree. I think it was really no, no, well no. animated. I mean, I, it's I think re- great animations in there. I, I think I, I guess to me, there's a difference between like. Good animation and uh, creative animation, and I'd say they said good animation, but not particularly creative animation. Like it, it, it had just like uh, these wonderful, like it definitely was an etchy comedy as well. Like you had some very glistening skin here, and uh, the fact in in one episode uh, they basically kill him by uh, forcing him to uh, cop a feel of uh, two of them at once so he he passes out through blood loss and (laughs) and they they then have to give him uh, CPR but they fail because they just when they go to uh, give him CPR they they just can't resist the urge to kiss him and so he keeps forgetting to give him CPR (laughs) he ends up dying (laughs) it's a a show it's a a joke that when you write it down on paper like that has people like Ben shake their head with disapproval (laughs) But when you watch it in context of the show, it's actually very funny. And it, it really works because 
the high, the stupidly high context concept of the show, which is a god accidentally put a number down wrong on his romance profile so that he's not going to get one soulmate but a hundred and if he ever chooses to break up with any of them they will die instantly and so will he <laughs> like is dumb and it works and uh i would say my only downside of this show like these five are the are the real great characters and i feel that having read the manga a bit later on there are characters that come in who feel that they're just there for like a catchphrase or two and then mm. don't really come back but um, the majority of, but the this season at least, and next season because next season will be good too. Um, it's they're, they're banging characters, absolutely. Yeah, and the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I I maintain that it was like as as an anthology show, it isn't bad. And like you were saying, like the like individually, they are good characters. Watching it side by side, even though Girlfriend and Girlfriend, I think, fails at trying to do what it does, like trying to make four characters, like five characters believably in a, re- a relationship simultaneously and what that would mean. Like it, it definitely tries to grapple with that. Whereas I still say this feels like somebody just rolling through romance, like the, the relationship stories in a gacha game. How many episodes did you watch? Uh, I watched the first up to when they went to the pool, like when uh, what the when uh, okay. he, he dies at the pool, and it was and I didn't drop it because like I was disgusted by it or like bored by it. It was just like ah, eh. you know, it's not it's not doing a lot for me. And like you said, like it's it's well animated, but like Duncan was saying, it's nothing special. It's not like Bochi the Rock where you're like yeah. you, you're yeah. just there to like watch the spectacle. Like it's <laughs> it's I, a nicely put together show, I, but like it just it felt it feels like somebody like you know trying to create like as a creative challenge i applaud it like saying i'm going to write 100 distinct female characters and i'm going to make a manga about one guy being in a relationship with all of them in some vaguely believable way and like how that would like work and i think that's like you know theoretically interesting but it just I think, it didn't hold my attention and I, I might come back to it but like i think, I think you need to it. you need to watch i i understand what you're coming from but like when when you get Kusuri and it sort of and then it sticks to that cast of five for the rest of the season, like there is some episodes where they all come together in really endearing, enjoyable ways, like and and that's kind of is the joy later on is they all have their own distinct talent and trait that they then use for various effects. Like I I would I would recommend you you keep watching it, man, because uh, I I I know where you're getting from from the Gasha thing, but I disagree. Speaking of shows where people have various secret talents, shall we deal with the recurring uh, menace that is Spy Fam? Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I really like... I have so little to say. Yeah. I, <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. I, I'm just going to say, like, this season had my, like, a really fucking great arc, which was the, the boat arc. That was really sweet. I think we spoke about it briefly. Like, very good four episode arc, four or five episode arc where they're on the cruise mm-hmm. and you see everyone apart from the dog, like have their own individual problems and overcome it. Really lovely thing about your, like is, should she be keep living her life, this double life when she's got a really happy family and she's happy where she is. Like those really sweet things that had then a really lovely payoff when they're just like relaxing in an Island. And then it just kind of goes back to the normal thing and you're like oh yeah no this is this is the weird problem with yeah with spy family where they don't don't 
I don't know. They they kind of want everything, but they also have yeah. like <laughs> like nothing. Um, I think it me- really makes the 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 art on, arc on the boat really makes you realize how B tier every character in the school is after you return to and your school afterwards. And and they and they literally like go back and it's just like oh it's Damien and the dog. The next episode is half an episode about Damien and half an episode about the dog. And like I like the dog. I have no opinion on Damien except vaguely feeling like the show would be better without him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like he's funny when he interacts with Anya, but it's weird that we spend so much time with him otherwise. But like yeah, those two characters just show like you're we're spending so much time with like people who don't matter and aren't funny outside of interacting with the core four. It's just so wild. I really love the boat arc. It was great to see like this family all like deal with a new circumstance and the desire of this show to get back to a status quo where Anya's going to school every day and yours going to an assassination every night. Mm. And Lloyd is doing some sort of spy stuff. Like for how wacky the premise is, it, it feels so stable. It feels so, so it, it's, like it's not going anywhere anywhere fast yeah feels, yeah feels I mean, like I'm, a shonen it just yeah it it feels like it's not going anywhere and it it no. it's uh it's really thinks it's just great to like spend time with the characters and yes but also one's a psychic and one's a spy and i feel like that should have more <laughs> i want to see them in different circumstances i want to see these characters uh challenged and put on the wrong foot and on you're running around the cruise ship trying to stop trying to stop her mom from discovering what her dad does and vice versa yeah. is very funny. And it doesn't usually happen that way. It's usually, it's usually her worrying, using her psychic powers to not get bad grades in school. Yeah. And that was funny. We're on the third core. We shouldn't mm. have more than this. We're I, the fourth core, right? Actually. Cause the first mm. core was double. I don't know. Whatever. I, I also feel that like, as, as a show that is split up, like that is so bitty and episodic and like, m- like got so many meaningless I don't want to say filler episodes, but it's because they're definitely manga episodes, like episodes of the manga or chapters of the manga that they mm-hmm. have adapted. But to fill like a whole, to have a a, epi- a seasonal show where no one cares whether, like no one needs to know that Lloyd is training Bond, especially not for the last episode of a season where they want to make you try and be interested in the next season. Like nobody cares about that stuff. Um, there's so much stuff that is so irrelevant to the overarching plot of the story where I'm just like, like surely the point of seasonal stuff is that you cut out the fluff. Uh, we will talk next episode about, uh, dangers of my heart. They cut out a lot of the manga and if they are ending where the second season is going to end, then I'm like, they're cutting out a lot of manga because there's a lot of fluff between like, where I think it's going to end and according to where the ending sort of hints you're at. Um, so like, That's I don't really know why they, to hear. I don't know why they yeah. can't. And well, they did it with the first season as well, actually, um, which is why you got like the sweet, doesn't matter. but like, yeah, they did it with the first season, they did it with the second season for the dangers in my heart. Again, why it's a great show um, and uh, deserved of our anime of the years list. Um, but this is not that, and they they should they should exercise some caution of of trimming shit down. Also, I'm sick of being in Lloyd's head all the time. I'm much more interested in hearing Anya's like uh, yeah. yours point of view. It feels like we never get your, and that's another reason why I love the fucking boat arc. It's like we get to spend time with your that isn't. I 
care about Anya or I care about Lloyd or I care about like this faux relationship. Like, yeah, she doesn't have a lot going on now that you now that you mention it. Like, I liked the first episode where she had a she'd hurt her butt during yeah. a mission <laughs> yeah. and was afraid to sit down. And Lloyd, being the mastermind who sees everything eight steps ahead, is much less funny than Lloyd overanalyzing why his wife doesn't want to sit down with him. <laughs> um, so I, I I agree that we when the characters, despite all their skills, misunderstand each other, despite being like the world's greatest assassin and the world's greatest spy and psychic and a dog that can see the future. When they understand each other, despite those powers, that's where the comedy happens. And so Lloyd just navigating situations because he's really smart and really talented and is the best spy in the world. is just not that interesting at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I want him to go to a parent-teacher conference and be paranoid about who, which of the other parents are, like, operatives out to out him. Like, put put him in a, a position where he's in danger of making an ass out of himself rather than having a character who ex- exclusively exists to be like, man, Lloyd's so cool. Yor has one, too. She has a brother who's who exists purely to be like, man, my sister is really cool and talented. Like... <laughs> Give me some more like discomfort and weirdness yeah. and mismatch. I don't give me know. that first. Yeah. Give me that first date where Yor and Lloyd have that date and it's really sweet. Like yeah. that. That's that. Or, like yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. The, the the ship ship arc even has an uh, a a moment which is like explicitly what Ben was asking for. Then like when, when they go mm-hmm. into the souvenir shop and he's like, <laughs> oh, I've got to buy. Oh, and Anya's like, oh yeah, what what dads do is they buy their kids souvenirs and uh, they buy <laughs> stuff. And he's like, oh, I'd better be the best dad. I'd better buy the most perfect souvenirs. And he ends up buying this absolutely horrific costume full of the worst tourist tap possible. No, he doesn't, he doesn't buy it because then Anya just goes, it's disgusting, take it off. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's... See, that, and that's, that's, that's the whole joke to me. It's like, it's like mm. you can be the best spy in the world, but you're still a shitty dad. And granted, yeah. like, that, that, that question is played out seriously in countless media. But as a comedy of this, like, super smart guy who still can't hack into the brain of of a little girl is i don't know i who knows maybe they're saving all the good stuff for the next quarter yeah. i i just this it, it feels played out in a weird way and it's weird because like the internet is very invested in me thinking this is still like the greatest anime ever made yeah um but i'm getting a lot of that flung at me these days so i don't even really pay attention to it okay let's take a second to decompress from our spy fam disappointment and we can come back to duncan talking about overtake andy talking about Miki Todali and a bunch of other random shit that he watched this season. And I've got some shows that weren't even airing. Uh, so cool. Let's take a break from there. Take a break. And we're back. Should I do the Yamato 2202 <laughs> next? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I unfortunately, I wish I had more to say about Yamato 2202. I really loved the like 2199 version. It was cool to have this ship of nobodies like gradually realize their like grand sci-fi destiny. That was rad. Making a sequel where they're still all 
like famous and respected and beloved and they just have to like go on another fucking mission against an even more powerful enemy and even more insurmountable odds like man it's just not doing it for me and also the fact that the enemy is like clone people who think that like eliminating biological reproduction from the universe is the secret to peace is interesting but so underexplored that it just pisses me off every time it comes up yeah it's very corny very weird i i mean i picked up technolize to 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 like watch some spicier sci-fi and honestly anybody among these hosts or among our listeners is like why did you watch like what is essentially space propaganda to find some good sci-fi um I don't know. Uh, I am. I think I'm done with the franchise after this because like, it really is just like, Oh no, they have a new super weapon. I guess we'll just fire the wave motion cannon at it and really believe in ourselves. And that usually pans out for them. And that's not what I'm here for. So, um, I've dragged myself through it and I will not think about it again. And I will probably forget that it exists in order to preserve my good memories. Yeah. Anyway, I, um, um, I'm watching Technolize. I think Jeff would love it. Oh, cool. Um, but otherwise, I don't think it's very good. I think I watched Technolize 20 years ago. It's definitely, like, the most Chiaki J. Konaka, as in, like, mm-hmm. paranoid political cyberpunk. Hell yeah. Jeff's like, ooh. That, that, that is fearless, <laughs> fearlessly boring and ugly in a way that Cyberpunk 2077 would never even imagine. True. Yeah. So. That cover looks real good. What show is this, though? Technolize, Andy. Technolize. With an X and a Y. <laughs> because genetics. Uh, Wait, but, well, I um, can't even think of where the Y... Oh, Z, e- X instead of C, Y instead of I. I put oh, it in the in fuck. Slack. There's a link to the Wikipedia. You, when you said X, well, I was like, my brain then like shut down trying to work out where the X <laughs> yeah, would be. I see why I say it that way. But yeah, I, um, I, I watched Yamato... 2202 to like get some sci-fi and then realize that i just can't handle the like the future propaganda that space battleship yamato kind of represents so i decided to watch the most paranoid depressed anime i had in my queue which is technolize it's a it's a madhouse production from 2003 uh directed by hiroshi hamasaki um he's just he's just worked on a lot of weird shit he directed orange which i remember you watched uh duncan that's not quite not quite a. Oh, that's the Yui show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he's mm. all he's all over X and Vampire Hunter D, and he directed Shigurui, so you can kind of get the kind of feel that he's going for. But yeah, this is about like there's this underground city where they're mining this mysterious mineral that makes mechanical limbs, prosthetic limbs, mm. cheap and easy, and it's about a struggle between the various groups that control the city in a careful piece while there's this organization called the mountain or there's a a place called the mountain run by this organization called class that is like observing and kind of mining technology from this, this little like hothouse city full of gangsters. And it's just different people going around in it and like doing stuff and having like intense political. There's this boxer who gets like cast off and then is abducted for a medical experiment and eventually gets recruited into the mafia. Very grim, very slow. It has, even though it's not triangle studio, it has like a triangle studio vibe to it. with like what, the what weird big eyes lane and oh, neon yeah. seven. That's yeah. Cause he's fresh off of working on, on those two productions. And uh, yeah, I don't love it yet, but just the, 
it's definitely a, a sort of show where I'm kind of like vaguely excited to watch more, even though I don't really, if I interrogate my own, my own <laughs> anticipation, I can't really say what I'm looking forward to. It is fundamentally anime's favorite sort of like mafia story. Like, oh, you join the mafia and like you, you're working under an honorable boss, but the organization itself is, is sick and is working towards unclear mm. goals. But yeah, just the, the early 2000s techno jank, the glitching, the like weird macro blocking and like compression artifacts, the fact that every episode end preview is the scenes from the next episode projected on some weird surface in like a dark room, like a sink or the like folds of like a sweaty, dirty bed. Just like, man, I I literally want to like make a YouTube account so I can rip these these next episode previews and just like put them on there because I feel like there's just like vaporwave connoisseurs on Tumblr <laughs> just waiting to yeah. discover this ugly brown show. And like it's so funny to go on the fan subs because people are just like, how do we fix how ugly the show is? And then there's the purists who are just like, no. Technolize should be brown and dark and you shouldn't really be able to see what's going on at any given time. And that also kind of makes me nostalgic for like that era of fan subs where it's just like, like I remember when my my friend downloaded Ergo Proxy and he's like, I think I like it, but I can't see what's going on all the time. So I'm, I have, I'm not going to keep watching it. I'm just like, cool, I'm going to go watch this show and see if I can see what's going on. That reminds me, like over like this weekend, me and me and a friend, we were like, waxing lyrical about old ops and then we were like googling really old ops from like Yu-Gi-Oh and naruto and bleach <laughs> uh-huh. and then some of them were like fan sub ops and we we're like man remember the good old days when when fan subs had like the wildest op like animations and shit oh yeah the karaoke oh, and shit yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it officially makes you an old man if you miss fan subs, but I, I super miss fan subs, so I guess I am an old man. Well, because honestly, like, and it was like what, what John was talking about when he was watching, um, I forget, is it Mashla? Is that how you say the Mashal, name? Mashal. Mashal. Which is mid. I, I feel it's a mid show. But continue. Sure, whatever. But like, there's just the, just the idea that he's like that he's like, oh, one of these characters who's ostensibly a woman is getting they them pronouns. Like, is that the translator or is that mm. is that the text? And I feel like that interesting friction that's only interesting to me as a historian and sometime linguist, like, was there of like, oh, what an interesting line. Is that actually what it says, or did the translator have an agenda? It was constantly out in the water in <laughs> in fan subs. And now it's some overworked peon who is who is, you know, hey. translating f- fifty lines for, for pennies. Yeah. That's if it's not AI. If it's not AI, yeah. So so yeah, I, I'm enjoying Technolize. I Jeff, I think you should <laughs> you should generally watch it. Uh I think it's your kind of like eccentric paranoid I mean, I think Chiaki J. Konaka should be your next obsession because like this guy has written some of the best sci-fi and cyberpunk anime has ever seen. And he is also at this current point a kind of crazy white right ring crank who is completely discredited <laughs> in the industry. So you can just like Every time you watch a bad show, you're not trapped watching a bad show of his. You are seeing precursors to who he is now, which is, like, I think, a more fun way to engage with bad media. Because, yeah, like his Bubblegum Crisis 2040 was awful. Oh, my God. Just someone who's like, I can make People it. People love that show, though. Bubblegum Crisis, yes. But the um, the two core uh, TV adaptation that happened in the early 2000s is awful <clears throat> for reasons I've already described in this podcast. <laughs> One show, then, I guess, going back to the current season of 
if you must. I really, I came in thinking like there's something to this, and I feel that this, if this was like summer, that the, there was like no shows on, I feel that this show would have got a lot more attention. But it didn't. It came out this season, and I feel that it's got buried, which is unfortunate because I really enjoyed this show. Uh, Miggy Tordali or Miggy and Dali is I think I briefly mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mystery comedy show about two identical twins called Miggy and Dali, which literally means left and right, who <laughs> then adopted by a family called Sonoyama family, and they think they've adopted one person, but they haven't. They've adopted two people. <laughs> And so it is, it is, it is a comedy about... This is such an anime premise, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And I thought I was adopting one son, but I actually adopted I two. I actually adopted. <laughs> and then the show revolves around them trying to resolve the mystery of their mother's death, Metri, who you then find out that I think the closest thing I can put this show to thematically is Jojo part four. It is about like the town. We're just tempting Jeff left and right here. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it doesn't have stands, but it has this very strange, weird mystery about this woman, Metri dying their mum, and them uncovering the truth behind it, which then eventually unravels to the truth behind the whole town. And this big, secret about the whole town which like it's done really well it's played off really well that the characters are really fun you have really dumb characters like shunpei who is like really into birds to the point where she's like i've got a big secret and then he comes out dressed as a bird and then gets on a bike and starts riding down (laughs) is this a comedy or a or a a drama (laughs) this is the thing it has this the anime sort of like again kind of like Danganronpa where it's kind of trying to be weird and creepy but it is playing it for laughs 100% playing it for laughs it is a comedy and a mystery and it plays both aspects really well uh real quick um don't look this up on wikipedia because they immediately spoil the twist in the character descriptions oh do they oh that's a shame that's a shame but yes yeah. The nature of the twins is immediately spoiled in the Wikipedia article, so don't don't look at the don't, Wikipedia article. That's upsetting. <laughs> what, why why they why you gotta do that, Wikipedia? But it's nice because unfortunately the mangaka died after finishing this manga. So what you have is you have like the last works of this mangaka who you would also know him her doing um Sakamoto Antai. Uh, which was a show that I didn't particularly get on board with. I thought it had like one joke and that joke wasn't very funny. This show, it does have the one same joke of like these two twins being the same person, which I think is hilarious because of the ways that they do it. The ways that she's like, they think he's just like a really hungry boy because he's eating so much jambalaya, <laughs> so, so much jambalaya. And it's like this weird thing where it's set in America, but they've all got Japanese names and they all have like the weirdest fucking things that they're like obsessed with. Like the mother in the first episode goes, you haven't even touched your jambalaya. And it's just like, okay, that's now in my head. I had jambalaya on Thursday night. What a weird coincidence. <laughs> that thing is now like in my head. 
for the rest of my that is just living there rent free every time I hear see jambalaya. I've never had it before, but now I want it for the jambalaya. And it's got such weird, odd performances from the voice actors. It's got a really bizarre mystery about this murder about this murder, maybe, of this mum that goes places where I, I wasn't expecting. But it it's all <laughs> so bizarre. Kind of like a Jojo. Again, this is why I'm bringing back Jojo, because it's all so strange and bizarre that... Adventure. Like, you stop to think about it for a bit, then it doesn't really make much sense. But because it's sort of wrapped up in the show, the context of this show, you kind of can't help but believe it and love it. Duncan, you were going to say something? And I just wanted to ask ask about it, because uh, the way you're describing it, it, like, the word which immediately comes to mind is is absurd. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 that's that's what it's going for. It's not necessarily comedy or or strange. It's just going for. It's just trying to be absurd. It's and it's 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 like part of me you, when you say Miggy and Dali, like it immediately goes to Dali, um, yeah. <laughs> who's like <laughs> one of the who's obviously like the, perhaps the most fa- famous absurdist is painter. And part of me wonders if that's a bit of deliberate wordplay on on the nope. the creator's part, but evidently not. When you say it's just left and right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't say enough nice things about it i think it's really good i really like the way that you know you just have a a complete story wrapped up in 12 episodes um that the dream it it is the dream and (laughs) i love it for that i I, and the way it ends it has like a really sweet like little love message to the mangaka who died that really lovely yeah her her death note was like sorry (laughs) just realized that's a that's a real thing (laughs) that's an anime um the yeah. note she left upon her death where mm. where uh, this ended up being a fun life. I'm going to a more free world. Goodbye, everyone. Is very that's a mm. nice Yeah. I, I respect that kind of It's weird to like when someone dies at thirty six, it's obviously it's immediately a tragedy and to mm-hmm. have like this be her last work about <laughs> two twins secretly <laughs> pretending to be the same person. Yeah, uh, which is I, I again. I'd love to know why they decided to pick this up and animate. It's not. It. A, it's not a. It's not a big studio. I don't even know what Geek no. Toys does besides this. Um, They've got a couple of things. Date, date, date Alive Four. Have you started watching Date Alive, Andy? Because they made through Date Alive. They yeah. made through Date Alive Five. And again, like it's not particularly well animated. No. It's competently animated. I would say it's as animated as JoJo Part Four was animated. Um, <laughs> And harsh. Uh, well, yeah, because it, but it's the it's the it's the director of Idolmaster Cinderella Girls Theater. So uh, yeah, which was good. Um, like, like, yeah, <laughs> and the strawberry flavor Fist of the North Star spinoff. Yeah, and and it and it <laughs> yeah. is a comedy. So comedy like, directors, yeah, foremost, makes sense. Just because it's her last work doesn't mean it. It's not got some impact. Doesn't necessarily mean it's. I don't know. I enjoy. No it, one like, knows what their last work's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Like, very true. Mm. I enjoyed it a lot. I'd hope more people watch it because I think it is a fun, odd show that you don't really get. The premise seems insane in a way that is very appealing. <laughs> in a very anime way. It's absolutely... Because I feel the same way. I feel Sakamoto is one joke and yeah. that's too bad, but like to... <laughs> but the, the... I, wish I, could, I wish I could say what the twist is because like the fact <laughs> is the twist... There's there's two kids who are pretending to be one kid, and the twist just throws it out the window and replaces it with something even more insane. So I'm <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of interested. I don't know whether I want to ruin 
No, it's not. It's maybe not. we'll talk about it again later. Like it's yeah. It's I'm, I'm going to watch it, so we'll maybe we'll do a, a tween on it or something. I would love that. It's a good show. It's a fun show. There's there's some genuinely like, but it is also unsettling in a way. There's some very there is definitely some sort of horror. There's definitely some people who have that. I don't. It's not quite home invasion, but it's kind of like that. I guess like that body snatchers type thing of yeah. of like two people. It's good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I got a, a Junji Ito uh, book for Christmas, and some of the the way he does sort of like the mundane slowly becoming surreal and horrific yeah. sounds like it's it's definitely a, a a feeling there that author was also tapping into. Yeah, yeah, Uz- yeah. Uzumaki is just like a a brilliant example of that. The whole series, yeah. which we'll be getting sometime this year, I think. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in Junji Ito adaptations anymore. Yeah. They always, yeah. they always go bad. I don't know. Uzumaki the movie does was look terrible. Pretty impressive <laughs> from uh, the the trailers they've done. Like, I, I, I did really enjoy the spinning eyes. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that, we'll that see. feels like something that's in production hell. So I, I see that the other anime that I was curious about this season that I thought no one had watched. Can you tell me quickly about our dating story? Because I also have that on deck as one I was maybe interested in picking up now that it's finished. Yeah, so our dating story, our dating story, what was the full title of it? Is it the, the inexperienced you or the... The inexperienced me versus... Experienced you and the... Oh, the one I dropped after yeah. one episode. Uh, the experienced you and oh, the really? inexperienced me. Yeah, I watched all of this. So... I'm kind of a sucker for any Gyaru character who comes on and is the main character. So, like, I'm going to watch this shit. Again, like, animation-wise, it's not amazing. What is quite nice is you have Runa, who is, like, the Gyaru, who is very much believes that she's going to find her love in high schools. She is considered a bit of a... I feel like she's got this sort of... They never explicitly say it, but she's got this attitude that she's the most beautiful girl in the school, but she's also kind of a bit and i'm not slut shaming here but they view her as sort of a bit of a slut because she will sleep with people dated a lot of people yeah dated a lot of people and she's very euphemism yeah i guess that's a bad maybe i'll start this again because i don't think she, well so the story is about runa and ryuto ryuto confesses to runa and it turns out that runa's very experienced dating having dated a lot of people and so the show starts off with him uh, being like, so we have sex, and it's only been like the first day, and naturally, Ryuto, being the classic potato-kun that he is, uh, gets cold feet and says, no, 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 I don't know. And she's like, oh, that's weird. I've never dated a guy like you who doesn't want to have sex with me straight away. And she's like, he's like, I do want to have sex with you. I just want it to be on the same grounds where you want to have sex with me. And it's not like a one-way exchange of me just feeling like you have a character like the guy wants. And so on the surface, it's a pretty, you could argue that it's a pretty boring like romance show about a boring nerd who then dates Runa, who is this like flashy Garu. And they both think that they want, different things or she wants different things from him and he wants different things from her and they have their own hang-ups about relationships and they treat it very well it's competently directed it's competently animated it's actually got a lot of very sweet interesting ideas about i don't i want to say consent but i don't think that's the right word i want to say sort of like like accepting each other's feelings in a way that isn't purely like physical 
and them sort of like not being able to trust each other because they've had such different backgrounds. And it's fine. I enjoyed it, but it is very, I, I don't know. I want to say milk toast. It has some interesting stuff going on in like the rom-com scene, but uh, it's not, it's, it's no dangers. I mean, that's, that's the same as me with, uh, with Apothecary Diaries and kind of damning on Miyoji with faint praise, I, I would wonder. Mm. Um, I do feel like it, what I've seen it praised for is just like people actually being in a relationship rather than the whole romance anime being the build up yeah. to, cause like, I just watched the latest dangers in, in my heart and like, he's finally, he's finally been like, Hey, I want to spend time with you more. And that's like <laughs> meant to be like a huge stage and like, yes, it is. But also, I don't know. So I, I was, I was tempted because I, I heard that it is a show about like being in a relationship. Yeah. Even if kind of a chaste high school one. And so that's what lit up my interests, even though anime romance is almost always giving me blue balls for some, for some reason. <laughs> and, and, that, and, you know, to be fair, like I thought that they wouldn't kiss until the very end. And that's not true. They actually kissed like quite early on. Awesome. Awesome. Which is great. I'm going to watch this now. I'm going to watch this <laughs> binge it tonight. And, and it's also just really sweet. I think this is the ultimate thing that kind of highlights in the show is that there's like the supporting cast is Nikoru who's like the like the angry Gyaru and like Akari who's like the otaku Gyaru and they're like a lot more interesting and I think what the show really highlights is Runa is kind of a basic basic she's just like there's nothing really there apart from her attractiveness and there's no real like this is my takeaway like you watch it and you tell me but like she kind of doesn't have anything and there's there is a really sweet analogy in like the second episode where she's like people view me as a race car and that i'm flashy and there's nothing you know and that i go fast and then he's like but race cars are designed to be fun i view that as is like you are a person that i can have fun with and that is a really sweet analogy and mm. it's full of those little heart sweet moments but it's also full of a lot of like traditional like oh she's wearing hot pants oh i can see skin like yeah, it's it's got a bit of both, but overwhelmingly, I I quite went away quite enjoying it. Uh, so yeah, I give it a watch. Let me know what you think. Okay, cool, cool. S I'm speaking of race cars, um, <laughs> yeah, I keep and hearing race card. I'm such a poisoned American. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> oh uh, it's like I'm a race card. I'm like what? <laughs> she's Japanese. Oh yeah, I guess so, she's a Gyaru. Um, yeah. So speaking of. Um, uh, stuff which is not horrible and, and terrible. Um, speaking of a, of a show which was one of my favourites of the season and I think completely got overlooked because of the beer moths which bestrode the land it was in, Overtake is on the surface uh, a show about an underdog Formula 4 team and their various uh, struggles to win a race and get on that podium. But what it actually is about is about uh like shared trauma the interconnection of circumstance community and family and how that can lead to fans of a sport to invest so much of it in the final episode uh, photographer uh, madoka koya who is one of our two main uh, leads tells us okay we don't cheer for others we do it for ourselves and 
that's one of those times where you can tell a writer's like, I, I want to synthesize what what I've been trying to say this whole series into into one line, into the fact that being a, a fan of sports is something where you're investing yourself in it. It's it's not about just that that guy getting over the finish line. It's it's about why that matters to you. It's about the context. And I think one of the reasons that uh, Sunere, uh season two made it from just being a, a pretty show about pretty boys to one of my shows of last year was because it, it really picked a focus of um, looking at the context where a moment occurs, like to understand that the beauty of a moment comes from how it resonates both backwards in time and forwards. Like really early on in this show, we're sort of introduced to like these two main characters, uh, Koya and uh, Haruka who is a uh, young uh, 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 driver and both of them have these two big traumas in their lives. Um, Koya was uh, caught up into the the effects of a a huge tsunami um, and uh, one day Haruka's race driver dad walked out on him to take part in a race and never came back and the whole show is basically taking those two drops in the pond and seeing how their their ripples interact. It, it's just really good just having this thing where the sport is kind of a catalyst rather than the, the focus. And I think Andy, he talked about uh, the first slam dunk. Mm-hmm. and uh, I was thinking the same thing. How the, the tragedy in that uh, shaping, like you talked about his family and, and how they're affected by it and how he still comes back to the sport despite all these resonances is is that he has with it and i see a lot of the same in um Marika's story in like like one of the episodes is they're, they're talking about nicky lauda famous famous form, formula one driver who himself got caught in a crash and survived and came out and and went on bec- to become a world champion like how his trauma wasn't just something which held him back but which allowed him to uh to push forward and like I, I enjoy uh, Haruka's story. It's, it's it's a good one. It's it's very textured, but it's uh, Koya who is like the for me the standout of the show. Like it's like a, he's just such a, a rare presence in in the sports show and just for anime in in general. Like he's he's a thirty something. Like he's got he's got no real history or ability in in this sport uh, to do with this sport. Like he's just he only ends up involved with this. Uh, Formula 14 because one day his ex-wife who's trying her very best to keep him in work because he's a photographer who can't take pictures of people because of uh, of this this trauma in his past and like we're shown very early on like in the first episode that it's because he he took a picture of a girl moments before a tsunami claimed her life and we're told he went missing months after the event and that that he tried to publish work which dealt with this horrific event and that the backlash from that basically led to being him being blacklisted even from the work he could do it's it's really interesting to have such a good-natured ostensibly talented person but who's just completely failing Halfway through the series, we actually actually go back and get a see what happens, and we see him go to this t- tiny town in the countryside, and 
and start chronicling the the lives of the various people who live there and he's able to make a record of of this small town which is slowly fading away as all its residents move to the big city and how how they appreciate his work and this back and forth in observer and the observed and you're in this at this moment you're seeing him um he's sitting there checking his camera and around the corner walks the girl from the the tsunami photograph and in this this moment his first instinct is just to pick his camera up and go click and we immediately see just what he's lost like just what he was like this person who to him taking a photograph was second nature it was a way of connecting with people and then along comes the the girl's grandfather and he's here take my mobile phone and take a picture of us and he's like sure i'll take a picture of you too and he's like no 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 you you come in the picture as well this one moment where he he goes from being like that observer into going in the picture how that leads to his trauma of being sitting there on the high ground with a camera completely unable to affect this person who he 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 has a, an emotional connection to the lesson he's learned is that i i can't take pictures of people because i can't i don't want to connect to them because that's just going to end up with me being hurt again and the, the the joy of the whole thing is like him getting over their trauma through sh- shared connections and little moments of seeing the trauma of others and of recognizing himself in in other people's lives and and everyone has their trauma and that's not a reason to be alone and make those connections knowing you'll be hurt and yeah um i'm sure uh, hideki Anno would enjoy this uh, as well um <laughs> it's, it's very it's, true it's, pick up the camera shinji is 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 the is the short version kind of reminds me of something like uh marsh comes in like a lion where mm, yeah the uh does does it go as hard with the you know the theory and philosophy of racing or is it that mostly just like a background element of it in terms of the drivers it concentrates on three drivers it, it there's um as i say there's uh haruka who is like the driver of this little team of underdogs and then you've got um satsuki and uh toshiki who are the the two drivers of this ferrari-esque team they're, they've got a red car they're the best team in the in the in the division and one's the lead driver and one's the backup and it, it goes into very heavily into the psychology needed to do those two different jobs to be the, to be the leader of a race to be in front and yet know everyone else is behind you and everyone's waiting for you to make a mistake and the particular mental attitude it, it takes to do that and equally to be the guy who is is behind that guy whose only job is to come second how those those two are, are completely different skill sets there's a lot about the different psychologies he's needed to to become a successful driver and how um making a step up from one one different formula uh, to another can often be utterly insurmountable for uh, someone because you'll go from being a, the top driver in one to the middle of the pack in the other and, and that requires a completely different skill set yeah there's a lot about the psychology of, of being successful within it i, I loved it it loved its character design it, it, they're all they're, they're all very memorable faces with it and within an anime that's not necessarily something to take for given um and the personnel and the vas are universally excellent it's mm-hmm. uh i i i particularly enjoy um satsuki's on because he, he's he's basically he, he's set out as this this playboy who's 
it has all the uh, grid girls uh, swinging over him. It's always first on the podium, but it's in fact like this incredibly hardworking uh, person and behind the scenes. And yeah, it's just generally a very good cast. And uh, but as I say, for me, it all comes back to Koya, like this this uh, adult amongst uh, people who are still growing into what art they will become, um, who is very much trying to get back to what he was and that like those two reverse directions of traveling in the characters, some growing up and someone sort of trying to recapture his something of what he was in the past. Yeah. That, that, that was what really I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, talking about people who also gain a lot of trauma over a season, uh, let's quickly talk about Jujutsu Kaisen season two, uh, which I think at least <laughs> another the last of the show before me and Duncan do our quick fire round. Because I feel Jeff, you watched this, right? I did. <laughs> Ultimately, I enjoyed this. I I think my biggest problem with the show is that I don't. So this season had two sections. Basically, you had the hidden inventory arc which was five episodes, which I really enjoyed. And then the Shibuya incident arc, which was the second half. Um, And I feel my biggest issue with this is really like, why do the hidden inventory arc before the Shibuya incident arc? I mean, I'll tell you the answer to that. And it is because that's how the manga was released. (laughs) Yeah, fine. Uh, I I just feel that they, they set up a big bad in the hidden inventory arc that then dies and then comes back in the, in the, Shibuya incident arc I would have personally found a lot more interested if the big bad came in the Shibuya incident arc who turns out isn't even the big bad because it's the brain inside the big bad who's the actual enemy yeah. <laughs> um, and which is yeah it's dumb Ben um, but there's even though the... I'm just making micro gestures <laughs> I don't know what you're responding to uh, I'm, I'm responding to you you're just just like shaking your head be like the fuck is this show I'm just moving um, it's brownie in motion uh, I so I actually quite enjoyed it, even given the controversies, even given like the clear dropping quality. Oh, that so just, just mapper. Oh, you, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Like I, I, it's like okay, the controversies aren't about the show, though. It's it's about the production. So yeah, yeah there was like I was like, oh, I didn't know there was any controversies about the plot, and it's like, oh wait, no, no, it's not the plot, which is the problem. Yeah, if, if people aren't aware, um, which is possible, uh, there was huge. Um, controversies around the production of this show because uh, many of the storyboarders and animators came out being like, we have been overworked to death on this show. Uh, It is a miracle that this show even comes out with the quality it is. Um, And upsettingly, the upshot of all of this like commotion is nothing. Uh, Nothing has changed. Nothing has happened to address any of the issues. It has just continued on as normal. I feel that is the biggest problem with the anime industry as a whole, but that is a that is a whole different topic that we're not going to get into. But uh, the only issue I have is like coming back week to week, being like, oh, it's going to get really fucking heavy and I don't know whether I can be dealing with it. And then just having an episode of of great fighting and great animation. And and I'm like, yeah, this is this is a good show. It's really good. It's a shame that it... It's not a shame. It, <laughs> it's, it's apt that the production got blasted as it is because there's no way the anime industry can live if this is the way that they're treating their staff um mm-hmm. but overall it was a good arc it's wild that it spent like 
over what we got like 15 20 chapter 20 15 episodes in one evening but a lot fucking happens in that evening and i was enjoying all of it and i think duncan you watched it as well right yeah yeah you guys I, I any think, other issues i mean i i fell off quite heavily after heaven imagery like i i enjoyed this this as as we commented on at the time this little old quiet time with this burnt out killer who sits around in betting shops being uh kind of sad about the, the life that he's ended up in and then we went back to the the shonen stuff and we had uh, 20 episodes of as you say one day one day spread over 20 episodes and it just dragged i i it felt like so so long that when you get when you actually it's like did you did you, it's just like 24 when you're doing one day in real time and it's, it's that's why this is mm-hmm. going to drag on so much um to, to steal a line from the hobbit it was it was like butter butter spread too thin over toast it was it was it was just this that's this, fellowship of the ring how dare you don't 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 give okay. the Hobbit any any credit. Sorry, sorry. It doesn't yeah, deserve. Good, good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, but yeah, it was just like all all these characters, all these different things they wanted to cover, and it just left me like, oh well, you killed off this character, you killed off that character, you killed off that character, you mm. killed off that character, you killed this character. This character's horribly maimed. That character's dead. This character's actually not the character you thought he was. This character has. Uh, been incorporated into this other character and this character oh they're a new character and it was just like yeah i kind of don't care about any of this anymore it sure looks pretty but i wish i didn't know why it looked pretty i don't necessarily disagree with you on some of those points i do feel that it is like a when it rains it pours type situation where it's just like like they have been like the the bad guys have been been leading up to this incident and i do agree with you that like as soon as one character dies and like when the three or four like when three characters die in a quick succession i'm like okay this this show just doesn't care about their lives or like i'm just gonna expect none of these people to survive as apart Mm -hmm. from like one the main character no one else is probably going to survive uh and yeah like i do but i don't think that it's it's i don't i disagree with the analogy of it's butter spread over too thin over bread a lot of shit happens and it happens like quite beautifully and i i I never got the i never got the impression that i was not i was bored i was always entertained i was always the combat was always beautiful the action was always well done i so i disagree with you on that situation but i do agree with you for the rest yeah by and large Action isn't emotion. Sure. Yeah, like to- Toji kicking the shit out of like ten thousand bunny rabbits at the same time. Like that was that was fun. That was yeah. enjoyable to watch. Like that. I and I I also agree that like a lot of the fights, especially where the antagonist was frequently somebody who was like introduced like five minutes ago, and then it's like a huge like you know impactful fight that you know ends up in the crippling or maiming of like major characters and it's like who even is this guy like oh it's it's dagon the sea god you, you've heard of him right and it's like no who the fuck is this and yeah, then like, you know and then it's like oh here's the blood guy the blood he's just some guy but he's got blood powers and also maybe he's uh 
Ichiro's dad, or not Ichiro? What's, what's uh, the fuck is Ichiro's, his yeah, it's like someone's uh, son, and yeah, but yeah, like, it's but like, like okay, the stuff, <laughs> the stuff where like it does up, it does manage to up the ante in quite a few ways yeah. really well. Like when they're in the the Pacific Island, like I love the way you're in that. They they change to that like world where it's in the beach, and then the the like domain the, the domain expansion on the beach and then the 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 sound like the soundtrack changes it's the same soundtrack but it's got like a calypso flair to it like that yeah. shit was really good you know she he like tries to be like this is our last way to get out of the domain expansion i have this like small hole here only for someone else to fucking come in like that was good that's like some good like tension writing building stakes get increased to a point where you're like i don't know if people can survive this and that is good that is good writing. No, it's it's interesting having read read forward in the manga uh, how it's a like the end of the Shibuya incident is like a huge change in the world overall. Yeah, where, totally. you know, Now you know spirits are common knowledge, and like all of J- Japan is basically taken over by this like like fighting tournament, but also like the actual conflicts themselves almost become like JoJo fights where everybody starts getting like these like weird gimmicks and it just becomes like a different manga. Like this is kind of like, like Gege, the, the uh, manga cog, just like, I want to do some fighting. I want to do a lot of fighting. I'm okay. Now I'm bored of fighting. <laughs> and it, it, it almost feels like in like, cause I, I'm, you know, I've said it a million times. My favorite part of the original series was, during the school exchange where they had, you know, they had the big team fight and then they're now we're going to do the individual like tournament. And then mm. Gojo was like, actually that's boring. We're going to have a baseball episode instead. And I was like, hooray, <laughs> this guy understands. And this, like what I've read of the, like of the culling game, the next big arc feels like one big baseball game. That's where cool. like, it's like, here's a bunch of new rules. Here's a bunch of weird characters. Here's a bunch of comedy stuff. And it's 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 still not quite the same exact vibe as like you know kids in school but they've kind of also moved past that as characters which is i appreciate so yeah yeah i i, I like the way that doug could just said no on my comment and i want you to expand on that you can't just say no and be like <laughs> i don't think it's good writing i i think I, why not emotion and conflict come from contrast if something is just constant it becomes noise and this season was just noise. It's like a, one gunshot shot, quiet film has huge impact. A guy firing a machine gun for 30 seconds, none of those individual gunshots has any impact at, at all. And this was just a guy with a couple of views. He's going, I, <laughs> I don't disagree with you by the end, but I feel at that point, that was pretty early on. And I feel that that had impact. Mm. I mean, it's as I say. Like, I just feel like Eek over overall, uh, like, um, Tay Pratchett has this uh, this one of his like fundamental rules of magic is that the first time any magical spell is done, it's incredibly hard, and and when and it's like an incredibly big achievement, and after that point, anyone can do it, and, and it feels like the like the first time we got a domain expansion in JJK, it was like wow, this is this is such yeah. a cool thing, and it's like high tension, and it's like and now it's like hey, guess what I got? It's yeah, a domain no, expansion. I <laughs> I, I do what, agree. Do, with who's you there. this guy? What's he got? <laughs> Oh, it's a domain expansion. But it's that kind of same thing with like Jojo, right? Like 
like the JoJo's is the joy of JoJo is finding out what their dumb power is in their in mm. their character, and that is the domain expansion. Um, so I don't disagree with you there, uh, but I do feel I I still maintain that 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 bit that I described I thought was good writing, and I, I still maintain that was enjoyable. I'm I think JoJo is more self-aware than JJK. JoJo feels. JoJo is a lot more self-aware. Yes, I completely agree, um, and. It's also a lot more storied in its own sort of weird law that it can get away with shit. Well, so mm, yeah. um, that uh, anyway, moving on. Should we do our? Is there anything else yeah, anyone that... wanted to mention? <laughs> Sorry, I want I want to make one stupid joke where yeah, go on. the Shibuya incident is uh, Stardust Crusaders. The uh, culling game is, uh, God damn it, fuck shit! <laughs> I can't remember what the you had you had one job. Diamond is unbreakable. Diamond is unbreakable. I know, and I fucked it up. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> right, um, cool. So, Duncan, okay. quick fire round. Do you want to go first, yeah. or shall I go nah, first? You, you, you lead. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's I'll, burn through I'll this. lead up. I'll lead up with the top one. Uh, Doctor Stone, uh, new season. It, it ended the the weird arc where they go to an island. I really enjoy it. It reminds me why I love some like a long running show like Dr. Stone. People told me this was like the worst arc. People really hated Dr. Stone after this, but I, I thought it was the strongest. I really love this arc and it's sort of like a microcosm as to why Dr. Stone is so good. It's got, it's got the, the interesting like do-it-yourself science element. It's got the weird mystery stuff. It's got some great combat. It's got some great characters. Uh, it's got some great upping of the ante. Uh, and like just world building on top of that, um, which I just felt, yeah, this is great. This is great shonen. All right. So uh, the family circumstances of the irregular witch was a extremely dumb pun show. It basically had its foundational joke was we have this uh, thousand year lolly witch. She will never grow old and she adopts a human daughter who immediately grows up and becomes this massive, uh, like six foot tall, uh, little beer moth of a woman who towers over her mum constantly. And, and that's, 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 that, that's the joke. Tiny mum, t- big daughter. And it makes like 12 episodes out of that and making dumb puns about <laughs> the elf who fell in love with the mum the giant phoenix pet the daughter summons and her two witch aunts and it's just puns it's kind of like one of those things where if you happen to read a a random strip from it you probably find it quite funny but overall it doesn't ever say anything of consequence it's all right uh your turn andy (laughs) Uh, yeah, right. I'll jump on to uh, Paradox Live. I didn't finish this. It was really boring. Um, it took itself way too seriously. The story is about a bunch of people who are rappers, but they have this weird like metal thing that every time they rap or play music, it really hurts them. And it reminds them of their biggest trauma, which is the dumbest fucking thing ever, because then it's like, why would you do music or anything in this field? It is stupid. You're just you're describing Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Yeah, but like, but some of the traumas are actually interesting. There's a trans woman in there. That's an interesting story that they don't get into. 
What they instead are a lot more interested in getting into is some fucking rich boy whose mum takes away all his vinyls and breaks it because she doesn't want him to listen to the rap music and wants him to be classically trained pianist instead. It's like, fuck me, I don't care. I don't care about your backstory. There's literally a much more interesting person on, on, on the other side of a door who has a much more interesting backstory who I actually give a fuck about. And, and I, but unfortunately, they didn't get into that. It, it's I really hated it. I really hated it to the point that I I dropped it after like three or four episodes. Okay, so the Saint's magic powers omnipotent is the culmination of the series of the same name, which popped up a couple of years ago. Me and John both liked. It's just a cozy slice of life uh, isekai where a overworked office woman just goes and lives a life being a, a sort of low key herbalist healing people, meeting the bishy boy of her dreams and falling in love with him. And they get married at the end of it. Yay! Your turn. Good. Okay, Hypnosis Mike season two. So Hypnosis Mike, if you aren't aware of it, is, is a big um, brand that or, or franchise, sorry, that has um, a bat, which is about pretty boys rapping. The songs are actually really good. Uh, a lot of them are made by big name rappers like Creepy Nuts is in a, does a lot of the songs. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, genuine big names. And some of the, the songs are really good. The anime, though, is a mix. It is kind of bad, but it kind of knows it's bad. So I kind of enjoy it for that. It, it, there's no guns in this in Japan. There are only microphones which they use to battle each other. Uh, which guns then kill people. Them. Rappers do. Exactly. And so once that once that dumb conceit is is over you then have a bunch of rapping units who are from various areas of japan so you've got like yokohama shinjuku shibuya uh and Yok- uh they're the first three and then the new season adds um my wife's favorite which is the osaka division and then also the nagoya division um, um it's got a badass monk who 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 fucking raps about how to love buddha it has a very dumb story that kind of doesn't make sense. And it's not even like I'm in the world, so I don't care. It's like, it doesn't make sense no matter how you fucking cut it, which is full of like two dead people who are being projected by drones somehow. And there's one whole (laughs) plot about, they have to find a server in a building. And then it turns out that they go to the building, but it's the wrong building because there are drones hiding the other building, which is right next to it, somehow using projections. And it makes no sense. The songs are really good. The opening songs are banger. The ending songs are banger. And and there are some really good bits, even though one song does use the words, hey, shorty, in English, which is hilarious. You're right, Andy. I I do shake my head too much whenever you're talking about anime. (laughs) No, but you're right. I've I've, I've been observing myself. You're right to shake your head because I don't. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean for it to be judgment. I just hear these things. And I'm like, nope. That's why I'm not watching this anime. And I shake my head <laughs> unconsciously. I actually really enjoyed it. Like, you took look at Paradox Live, which is the same kind of uh, show, and I feel that it kind of has a bigger following. Like online, it's certainly got a lot more. Like, I guess love to it, but I. I can't. It takes itself too seriously. I love that Hypnosis Mike is able to not take itself too seriously, able to take the piss out of itself and and then also produce some absolute bangers of songs. I enjoy Hypnosis Mike. I'm a Hypnosis Mike stan. And it's not just because my wife is helplessly in love with it. 
I and swear. <laughs> that's a good good reason to like a show, as any Andy. Um, uh, and yeah. uh, the next show I'm going to talk about is one where uh, the, its title is very self-explanatory. It's I'm in love with the villainess, and it's a Yuri show, and uh, it's about someone who's in love with the villainess, and uh, like Ojo Sama, blonde ringlet hair. They're going oh ho, 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 ho. if you like that character and you think that's 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 kind of my ideal woman and you happen to be a woman as well well that's that's this show's whole, whole thing it is very basic yuri but it it's not actually too badly observed that they're relatively enjoyable characters to be around but it is it, it does just know what it like likes and is determined to serve it up um and i, I Really, there's not much more to it than that. Like, if you like Yuri, you'll probably it's probably a treat for you. If you're not big into the tropes and trappings of that uh, genre, then probably avoid it. Uh, Power of Hope, Precure, Full Full Bloom. I watched three episodes and dropped off, and now I realise that Precure, as much as I feel that it's something that I should try and get into, I just don't care about. Hi, hi, E Virus. Sorry. <laughs> See, that's on that's on my that's on my eventual catch up list, and and now you've made me sad. It's it's just. I, I don't it's care. like trying to watch One Piece at this point. But that's why that's why I was interested, Jeff. I saw it as like a, a, a easy in point. You go into something which is set when the, all the characters from this uh, right? series are grown up. So it's like it's like a, a sequel. It's, it's and that sounds. No. I feel that that yeah. sounds interesting. That sounds like it's trying to do stuff, mm. but. But really, all it means is they just have an excuse to drink, and they drink a lot. Like it's I mean, worrying. Andy, like this sounds good. <laughs> it's, and then I swear that like the problem comes in is that it is it has a traditional what what I believe to un- to be from my limited understanding of precure a traditional precure like <laughs> oh story, which is like people get corrupted by evil things because they like they shit on the environment or like some, and then it's boring. Like it's just like the villains are boring that there's, they've got their adults, but the story isn't about them being adults or adult in any way, shape or form. It is still the traditional precure trappings. And that is why I didn't like it. And maybe it's on me for hoping something else, but that's no, I I'm, I'm always in favor of aging characters up so they can drink, but um, it was so fun in the latest, uh, Dangers of my heart. The older sisters drinks and invites the younger guy to drink. But yeah, I um, I need to find a new route into magical girl stuff because mm. I like Sailor Moon, but it does not make me more fired up to watch Precure or anything Maybe should... to Precure. No, no, same here. I, I think Maybe I'm... I should be drinking more and then I can enjoy Precure. <laughs> Maybe you should watch Gushing Over Magical Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so another show I watched uh, was Shy. It is a superhero mixed with a magical girl show. Um, its heroine is called Shy. She is shy. Mm. The whole feeling of being shy is like this: this feeling of like absolutely cringe at yourself, and it successfully inspires that uh, emotion towards the whole show. It, it's it's very cringy. It's it, like some shows that you watch and like they're unco- sort of uncomfortable to watch, like uh, The Office, I, the, the, yeah. uh, I would describe as, as very, very cringe. Like some people get something out of watching a character make a complete fool of themselves. Shy slash uh, Teru uh, is someone who's just being crippled by her own uh, fears about herself and just watching her just 
constantly being told, oh, yeah, no, 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 look, look, see, you were competent. Like, yeah, you did good. And that her just backsliding again. It was almost like they're trying to make a, it's like a, a superhero magical girl depression show. But they've, they've they, instead that calling it depression would have been too harsh on people. So they just call it shy. Oh, she's just shy. And no, no, there's like, if she keeps, keeps having these feelings about herself, it's a bit more drastic than that. This is, this is depressed shows about superheroes being depressed already i i don't know i i tried to watch this because i heard that it got a second season and i was like oh so this is clearly something that is has got some something to it but me not it's a shame do you have any <laughs> other things which you did watch uh nothing that's it for me i'm out is there anything uh, more well, the last thing. Well, wow, did, wow, did Duncan outlast Andy? And Duncan outlast. <laughs> so the last thing I have is Shangri La Frontier, which I absolutely loved, and which. Oh yeah, I, this is the, I, this is the thing where I had to learn an acronym, which is a sign that y'all really like a show. If you're talking about it enough, that you have to like reduce it to three letters. So like, like I'm I'm not going to talk about that much here, but basically because. Uh, uh, I've managed to successfully sell John on it, and this is our best last hope of getting him actually to come back. <laughs> just, just talk about it, because because then you could maybe get me interested in watching it. Because yeah, come on, come on. Hey, we have three, we have three people here. Yeah, let's sell it. We just have a very lot. We'd have a very big <laughs> argument over whether or not it's an isekai, and you'd tell me it's an God. isekai, and I'd say no, Andy, it's not an isekai. Okay, I, okay. Why'd you say it's? Why'd you say it's an isekai? I'm instantly tuned out. <laughs> very simply, it's a show about uh, someone who loves playing terrible games, who loves playing bugged out games. Okay, it's a video game. Video game yeah. isekai, never mind. Jeff, I think, is the person who I came uh, closest to sparking some interest in this because <laughs> Jeff actually told me about uh, some of the games it is probably referencing, which is like this entire subculture of uh, shitty fighting games where mm, yeah. the entire thing people want is not necessarily a game which is balanced they're all completely unfair and broken and the fun comes from seeing mm. who can f do the most unfair and broken things uh, within them and and th that's the the, the the key to this is is just like a lot of sh shows which are just like obsessed with levels yeah whereas this is obsessed by what's like a skill doesn't matter unless it does something interesting and so it, it's it's kind of, of has a bit of the jo Jojo's to it um, in that it's always about, okay, I found an interesting exploit to beat this creature. This is watching someone break something and watching uh, the consequences of that. I, I've, I watched that uh, video you sent, Jeff, of, of these people playing these, t these, these people doing these unlimited combos always kicking and and punching people over the entire screen for like a full minute while their opponent gets out a pack of crisps and starts eating and <laughs> what was the other one there's someone like uh reading a book while their opponent plays just like they get gets a book out <laughs> while their opponent's got them in this, this combo because it's impossible to break out and they're just like like there's an appeal in in systems breaking as well as and like i think so so much of what i actually sakai's do is about oh i've got the skill which breaks the system and and this isn't that there's no like no one gets a, 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 a like the skill which breaks the system it's more okay i if i keep keep doing this this one thing which the game allows me to do uh, how is it going to glitch out and and that's a lot more fun 
for me. And also, it's just um, probably maybe like I'd say it's like in terms of its animation quality, it's on the roughly same level as something like Pluto. It's extremely well executed in terms of its action. It's not necessarily the most inventive in terms of its character design, apart from the fact that its protagonist has a giant bird head mask. It's not actually he has a bird head. He's just picked up the first cosmetic item he picked up was a giant bird head it's about people enjoying a game not about people being trapped in a world and that for me is just a tonic in an environment where isekai is running rampant and has its particular tropes enjoyment to be the fundamental thing driving these characters rather than that they've got to get back to their world or conquer this world it's just no we're here to have fun and generally i have fun with it there we go Nah, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's pretty good. Uh, I need I need you guys to watch weird bad things and old things that I know well, to we're watch. All, we're all content filters for each other because I do think that <laughs> one of the fun things about this podcast is just like being able to hear Andy talk about Miki, Miki Todali and being like, okay, a comedy show about like two weird, bo- weird boys pretending to be one weird boy. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Okay, well, if that's it, it feels implausible, but is that it? I think Can that's... we wrap it up? Yeah, there's nothing else I've watched. And the, the amazing season. thing is we have even more shows to watch next season, which oh is what our God. next episode will be. So tune in there. Tell us what shows you're watching. Um, yep. Give us difficult opinions that we have to address to gen- address genially, mm-hmm. and we'll see where we can mm-hmm. go from there. So yeah. Um, Tell me why Snack Basile is secretly the best thing this <laughs> next season. Cause it, <laughs> oh, no. I think it will be. <laughs> think it will be the, okay the best thing when we have free run and apothecary still going on <laughs> yeah i know it's gonna be whatever the fuck you talked about okay rate review and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice i don't even know where people get podcasts anymore these days i use an rss feed so i'm just like a million years behind <laughs> Email us questions, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Every email we read, even weird spam emails that are about scamming us for some reason. Uh, find us on Facebook. We're at Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. And most of all, I don't know why you would, but it would make me personally very happy. Tell a friend. And I don't know why you would, but it would make me incredibly happy if you... Uh, told that friend who you think has freckles, but actually it's just makeup. And when you take it off, she's actually really beautiful. Um, I would say tell the guy who thinks he's figured out how to date women respectfully, but is actually still an asshole. Tell him to listen to our <laughs> podcast and and read Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I don't know about Scott Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. goodbye.